I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people, it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality starting May 8th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. Oh, yeah, living the dream once again here on a fabulous Saturday. It is Harbin and Papinga. We're coming alive from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Easy to save 15% or more on car insurance. With Geico, go to Geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Well, here we are on a beautiful Saturday. I'm, of course, here in Southern California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know about beautiful weather, man. It is. doesn't get any better than this there, Stevie, but that's why it's uh, Southern California. And uh, this time of year, usually in other colder places, is where you get toyed with. Yes. Where you think it's you're just, oh, man, I'm right on the the home stretch for summer. You know, it's been springtime. And then all of a sudden, and I don't know if it's happened lately. Then all of a sudden, it snows 10 inches and it sticks for a week or 10 days. Yeah. Well, we're not so going to have any snow here. Let me, let, me, let me tell you a quick uh, SoCal story and uh, a disaster story. Can, oh. I, can I lead with a disaster story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So last July, all right. So this is uh, 10 months ago, whatever it is. 10 months ago, nine months ago. Major League Baseball approached the San Diego Padres with an idea. We, okay. we want to go international. We we're trying Ooh. to expand our, our international coverage, and we would like you to forfeit three home games at Petco Park on Cinco de Mayo weekend against the Dodgers to play three games in Monterey, Mexico. And the Padres are like, do we have a choice in this? No, you really don't. But we're going to tell you (laughs) You right now, we're going to take three games away from Petco Park on Cinco de Mayo weekend against the Dodgers, and we're going to move those games to Monterey, Mexico. So all week we were talking about this, and what was really interesting about this is that no one seemed to know that the games were in Monterey, Mexico. 
if you looked at all the national outlets, they would just say the Padres are hosting the Dodgers. There was no little footnote saying games in Monterey, Mexico. In fact, uh, I heard one of the ESPN baseball guys last night as this no-hitter was in the works saying that the game was in San Diego when mm. actually the game was in Mexico. Oh, wow. So if, if the Padres had this weekend Cinco de Mayo series against the Dodgers. You're talking about three straight sellouts, even if the majority of fans are L.A. You know L.A. They're like, they go down to San Diego. Yeah, yeah. It's cooler. It's beautiful. weather. I mean, just picture-perfect weather. Cinco de Mayo weekend. Let's make a weekend of it. Go down, see the Dodgers play the Padres at beautiful Peco Park. Go into the gas lamp. You know, just enjoy the whole scene in San Diego. Instead, the Padres made this agreement. So they go first game last night in Monterey, Mexico. 21,000 people at this game in Monterey, less than half of what they would have had at Petco. The ballpark itself, the lighting was so bad that the players on the field could not see the ball when it was hit in the air. (laughs) First inning, there's a pop-up in the infield. The second baseman for the Padres, no clue. He looks up and he goes, I don't. He sees nothing. And the ball lands 30 feet behind him. Oh. The, and the, then it's pouring rain in the second mm. inning so hard, that, that but they have to get this game in. There's no going oh, yeah. back to Monterey. They get the game done, and the Padres get no hit. And remember, this is a Padre home game, but you're playing the Dodgers. Who is paraded out? Fernando Valenzuela, the Mexican legend. He's like a one-man Beatles, right? He gets yeah, out yeah. there, throws out the first pitch. The Padres are a side note at best. I mean, if you're the Padres and you agree, all right, we'll play three games because we want to be Mexico's team. You're not playing the Dodgers. You're playing like the Brewers or a team where you will be in the spotlight over the other team. So this turned out to be a catastrophe last night. But it brings up a bigger point, and you are the perfect guy to talk to about this. Yeah, yeah. Because you do so much of the bilingual broadcasting because you're fluent in Espanol. That's right. And you've done games uh, in Mexico. Yeah. So you know you know the, the landscape very well. But it's not just about Mexico. I want to talk about this whole infatuation with Major League Baseball, the National Football League, and the NBA. I don't count the NHL because, frankly, hockey is a Canadian sport. If anything, there should be no teams in America. Uh, that that is a Canadian <laughs> well, it's sport. Already pretty much. A I mean, I enjoy sport. watching hockey, but that's yeah. a Canadian sport. I'm talking about American sports. Okay. Born in the USA, the NBA, baseball as we know it. You say, well, it had roots in England. Our baseball is American, and certainly American football is American. This obsession of playing regular season games. I don't mind an exhibition game yeah. preseason. That's fine. But when you are sacrificing regular season games that fans of that city could be attending, but now they would have to travel somewhere around the world to see those games, why? Please explain to me, just getting back to the Padres, even if every kid in Mexico was wearing a Padres jersey, how exactly does that help them in San Diego? Well, they they look at it as a bigger revenue stream. And that's how the NFL looks at us. I mean, mean, all of them look at it that way is that, if you're going to grow the revenue stream, you're going to have to expand outside of the borders of the U.S. Are you going to put a team in Monterey, you, Mexico? Well, I don't know about that, but at the very least, you'd like to connect with that fan base so that they start to follow your team and that you gain, again, a broader spectrum of a fan base. But the NFL, they know as good as anybody that they pretty much are bursting at the seams, oversaturation in the U.S. So the new frontier has to be outside of the U.S. if they're going to continue to see. Because you know how it is with anything. You know, they've, they've seen this extraordinary growth 
But the reality is there is a finite end to it. This isn't like an infinite amount of growth that will continue to happen at the same rate for eternity. There's going to be a bubble that bursts in the NFL. There's going to be a time when you're going to have as many fans as you're going to have. You're going to have as much interest in TV and uh, marketing dollars that you're going to have. And they're hoping that obviously they're going to put, they keep pushing it out to where they don't have to deal with it. Talk about the owners and those that are heavily invested in the NFL. And they look at other parts of the world as, you know, these are untapped areas that could continue to help us to grow at the same rate or at least help us grow. But the point is, is they get it within the U.S. And I would imagine with basketball and baseball, those kinds of sports, same thing, that they feel like it's, it's about as good as it gets. Like it's really difficult to bring in more attention. It's more, very difficult to bring in more of an interest outside of what's already happening to the level to where they continue to grow. And so to me, it's all about money and all about trying to make it grow, 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 grow so big. But we all know that it's going to come to an end. I'm telling you right now, it's just like the housing market. Remember back in 2000, what was it? One, two, three, four, five. Everybody's attitude like, oh, you got to invest in real estate. It never, I mean, I heard people say this. It'll never, it'll never lose value. Especially California, man. It'll never lose value. And I'm like, oh, wow. I've never heard of that. I was looking at the history. It's a big cycle. goes up and down. Same thing with professional well, sports. We're in it right now. I mean, as far as the housing market is going up, up, up. And I'm like, I've been there before. I saw a crash back in 2008. But remember, it's cra- it crashed in 2000. It crashed yeah. in the mid-90s. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's business cycles. You take economics 101, that's the first thing they're going to talk to you about is a business cycle, which is you're going to have peaks and you're going to have valleys. That's just the reality of it. But uh, so even if you they were wanna, even if so you Here's were my expand, point with yeah. the, the, the NFL and everybody. Yeah. They want this peak. To never end. Right. That's my whole point. It will end. Well, and even so, if you go international, it's going to end. Exactly. Only, you know, unless you go to other planets. But that, may, but that also may well, over. Other solar systems? But I don't that, know where you bring But that also may to. bring on the demise or the, the downward cycle. I, I, I better just say downward cycle. It's not the demise. Yeah. The it actually may bring on the downward cycle quicker than if you just stay true to who you are. Because if you start to overextend yourself before you're ready, for example, if they send a team over to London and you have all these logistical challenges that they cannot deliver on, I mean, you're going to turn off the very fan base that you're hoping to Thank you, and that's my whole point. In. You know, well, getting back to the exactly, Padres, that's exactly getting back to the Padres, when you have a Padre marketing guy saying, yeah, we want to be Mexico's team, you're not even San Diego's team. Yeah, yeah. The only star you've exactly got right. is your ballpark. It's a bad business decision because – You start turning off fans. Yeah, you got to – my, my whole philosophy is you first got to start with your own wheelhouse. Right. You know, build your own base. Then once that, ba- it's like I see these businesses all the time to where they have a little success and all of a sudden they want to open another spot here and another spot there. And and before long, they're out of business completely because they've overextended themselves. But then you look at these other businesses to where they'll stay in the same spot until they absolutely are like blowing out the seams. They have to move and then they'll open one more spot. And then they'll wait for that spot and the previous one to wait to blow out at the seams again, and then they'll open it up. And so it's it's almost like you got to allow the fans and the following to dictate whether you're going to expand your horizon or not. Don't sit there and think, oh, we're going to be ahead of everybody and try to outpace the interest because ultimately it's, it's like it's like a bucket of water. gonna It's just going to dry up. You want right. that bucket to over, overflow, and then maybe you start to go get another bucket to to bring in the overflowing well, of imagine interest. If so, you yeah, were, they're not even close expanding outside of the U.S., let alone San Diego. You come to me and you say, we want you to buy Padres season tickets great 81 yeah. games well no, actually you're not getting 81 games i'm not what am i getting you're getting 78 games but what happened the other three games well we 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 moved three games the out same price? well i don't know right yeah and they well we moved three games to mexico well what who what team was coming into town the dodgers 
Well, give him a hold on a second here. So it's either the, the number three one hours to travel the number seven one hours. rival team that I would want to see as exactly. a Padre fan. You're not taking even a part of you're it. taking three Dodger games away from me as a season wow. ticket holder. Are you kidding me? And I hope they're not charging the same amount. I mean, I don't care if you're taking a game, three games against the Phillies or the Reds, but you're taking Orioles. away three Dodger games for me and then trying to sell me on season tickets. I don't know. Are I mean, you nuts? If they're giving a package to where it's like the same deal, and then they're like, hey, we'll also give you a discounted price to go to Monterey, Mexico. Now you know it's a big time problem. Not saying it's a scam, but man, it's close. That's bad. And I'm telling you, it's whoever's idea this is, very unsound principally. Well, again, like it's you said, it shows you how desperate they are for the money right now. In other words, if, if they weren't desperate for the money, none of this would be happening of right course, now. Of but they are so desperate now. I mean, Major League Baseball next year, once again, will open its season in Asia. Huh. Our sport, our national pastime, will have opening day in Asia. Well, I'll tell you, it's just not the sport. Like, I mean, I went to an Angel. I went to an Angels game last week. Oh, you did? How saw was Tani. it? Wow, you saw Tani. He was impressive. Really? I, I mean, just as a specimen of a athlete. Yeah, six five, six five, long, athletic, extremely. He has that combination of size and speed that, right. like I, I said already, he could have been great in any sport. And how was the atmosphere? Terrible. I mean, it, I I was like. I could count. It seemed like on one hand how many people were at the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was unbelievable. I mean, I had a heckler next to me, like two boxes down. We were in a box. It was a very nice setting. And he was yelling so loud that I know all the teams could hear him because there was no other ambient noise there. I mean, yeah. I was on the phone with my wife. She's like, why isn't it louder? And I'm like, there's babe, nobody here. I mean, I was in the bathroom. But I still, mean, I was the like, Marlins the other day, they announced 4,000 fans at the game. And you're worried about having games in Mexico and you got 4,000 fans in Miami? I, I, couldn't, I, I don't know what the announced attendance was, but I was sitting there going, this is like Little League, man. Like, I, I, I was looking at the players like, these are like the best of the best players. And this is all we could give them? I mean, let me get like this right. So, Otani's out there. I thought Otani was supposed to fill the house. Otani mania. He was pretty sweet. And, I mean, you got Pujols. I mean, think about it. Angels are an exciting team. Well, you got Pujols Mike is, Trout, the best player in baseball. Mike Trout's dominating. Pujols is on the verge of getting 3,000 yeah. hits. And yeah. Then you got Otani. I mean, it doesn't get any better in terms of entertainment. And Beautiful ballpark. And entertainment. I mean, yeah. and it was a heck of a game. I mean, yeah. it was like a 10 to 12 game. Yeah. And a lot Angel of action. Stadium is a beautiful Thanks venue. to the yeah. doctored baseball. Sure. I, I appreciated that about him. But the point is, is there was nobody there. And so I can see that baseball seeing that too, and they're like, we have to go where there's more interest, or else this whole this whole pool of money we have is going to evaporate because the player cost of baseball is absolutely astronomical. I mean, it's yeah. out of this world. Well, I, and in fact, I want to get to uh, some of that. All right, we will we'll talk a little bit more about this uh, need for more money in all of professional sports. We also need to talk about the argument is over, over. We'll and who's this. the greatest basketball player of all time? We'll From the see. Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, we'll tell you why coming up next. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. Harbin and Papinga, we're coming alive from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Enough is enough. That is my attitude when it comes to the argument on who is the greatest basketball player of all time. His name is LeBron James, what? let's make this clear. Wait, wait. The greatest basketball player of all time's name is LeBron James. Why do you keep saying that? Because he is the greatest basketball because, player of all time. I believe it's because of this. I believe your memory has faded of what Michael Jordan did, other than statistics. And now that LeBron, because he's played longer, 
He's been on teams to where he hasn't been a facilitator or kind of the guy who sets everybody up. That his stats right now are starting to now eclipse Jordan's, and people think he's better. But I'm telling you, he's got to. I mean, I'll say this. This, to me, would be true. If he's able to lead this Cleveland Cavalier team to win an NBA championship. He already did that. No, no, no. Against the no, team with the no. greatest regular season of all time. He, he already did it. He, he, beat, Kevin, he, he Kevin beat Love. a 73-win no, no, Golden no, State no. Warriors team the where they thing. were down three games to one. The only team in the history of the NBA down 3-1 in the NBA Finals to win the championship. He won two games on the road. He has nothing. If I hear one more time about people oh, saying, you're gonna hear in it other again. words, to have You're going to hear it again. Then, right. Then Robert Ori, if up, it's about championships, say it right now. Robert Ori had a better career than Michael Jordan because he won seven championships to Jordan six. You put words into my mouth. I didn't say that. What I'm saying is, is how you win. And ultimately right now. He's been what, to the final seven straight years. I don't care about that. I don't care about any of that because the bottom line is this. Does he deliver in the finals? And he has some, and he has, and other times not. But when he has, he's had tremendous amount of help. I mean, he had kind He of, has? Oh, and Jordan kidding? had no help? Okay, when, okay. let me ask you this. Did you, Jordan ever have you, a like, teammate? Did Jordan, yeah, Steve. his name was Scottie Pippen. Did he, okay. Who was better than any player in his prime than anybody that LeBron played. Let me Wayne ask you this. Wade, uh, let me ask you this. Chris Bosh, Kyrie Irving, none of those guys were as good as Scottie Pippen was in his prime with the Bulls. Did Scottie Pippen ever score 40 points along with he Michael Jordan He never scored 40 game? points because you have one guy shooting the ball constantly named Michael Jordan. Did that That's ever happen with LeBron? Did. did that happen with LeBron where a guy, him and another guy scored 40 Jordan, points in the Jordan same game? Jordan was never yes, a facilitator. it happened with Kyrie Irving. There it is. He was never if a facilitator. he didn't have Kyrie Irving, they would have not won that championship oh, a couple years ago with Cleveland, unreal. which is an absolute fact. And that is not a fact. And they would Michael never even have gotten Jordan, there without LeBron James. Look, here's the bottom line. My Michael Jordan you're, you're is You're so silly distorted. He, you, you drink the Kool-Aid. See, no, what you're thinking I, is, what I'm thinking I'm of be is cool. I'm thinking of I'm going to be the PC guy by constantly saying that Jordan was the best yes. of all time. He wasn't. You, couldn't, I, you can't. It's Right now, it's indefendable. This mean, guy. It's indefendable. Yeah. It is. It is. When you because look at what LeBron Michael, has done in his career compared stats. to Jordan, it's not even close. You're looking at stats. I don't look at stats. What are you looking at? I am looking at a part of it is there obviously is the production You factor, do remember, of course, that Jordan was but favored. The Bulls are favored in all at, six NBA finals, right? This is what I'm looking at. I'm looking at a guy, a Michael Jordan, that took, I'm not going to say average, but good good NBA players that are basically good players, which, by the Scottie way. Scotty Pippen was a role player? Oh, what did he do in Portland after he left Michael Jordan? Did he do anything? <laughs> Nada. There's no answer to that well, because, because he didn't his do best, anything. his best years ah. were already spent in Chicago. How did he do when Jordan retired and went to baseball? Not very good. He wasn't a superstar. He wasn't. He was third level. in the NBA voting and MVP the year. That's because well, you they, missed that. They loved him. That's because they loved him. They That's loved him. They uh, were they were excited that they were doing pretty good. He with was him, third in the MVP voting when Jordan, Jordan left. But I'll say this. Yes. This is what separates Jordan from LeBron. Is he did he took guys around him and he elevated their game. When things go wrong with LeBron right now, what happens is he says, hey, everybody, he waves it to the left or the right side of the court. Right. And he goes one-on-one and uses his tremendous Just like Jordan did in his day. No, 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 no. He took more shots in the fourth quarter than anyone in the history of the NBA. That's good. That doesn't support that idea. One-man gang. No, but that look, what got him over the top is he took guys like Kerr, like uh, 
you know, Paxton. Her, these guys like had Pippen, zero, They had a like shot, a Horace, one shot here, one shot was there. Was it Horace Grant or the other? What was Horace Grant was one of the best power forwards in the NBA. I mean, he took and all certainly those guys. Dennis Rodman Cartwright. is a Hall of Famer. He, he took, was a Hall of Famer in Detroit. He was a Hall of Famer in Chicago. But he took all he those guys. Need and he Michael made him Jordan better. be a Hall of Famer. Hey, he didn't make I'm not him better with that. But he made every single one of those guys better because none of those guys no, when Rodman Jordan wasn't made there, Jordan better by getting rebounds and getting the ball in his hands. Not really. But what here's do you mean the not really? Line. He's the most dominant rebounder in the history of the NBA. I'm just telling you that Jordan, he elevated his team no, more no, consistently no. than LeBron. No, and that's no. what I'm telling you right no, now. No, no, if no. LeBron, but I'll tell you this. LeBron has a, a tremendous opportunity right now. I was Because I've been saying this all along. If he's able to take a team that basically on the last stretch of the season was completely retooled with bringing all these guys in like Jordan Clarkson and you know sending off everybody else and you know who they who they had hoped to bring in for Kyrie Irving this last year, and, and and then all of a sudden have to retool their chemistry, put it all together, have LeBron having them all wear sweet suits so they have this nice little you know bond between them, and if he's able to lead them to an NBA championship, he's under already those done that. He hasn't. There's nobody close. There's Steve. There's nobody close on the Cavaliers that's anywhere near the player of Kyrie Irving. There's just nobody close. And so you can't say that. Kyrie All you can Irving. Say, Boston is up 2-1 in their series against that, Philadelphia that, that without them. Kyrie Irving. Well, You're making him, Kyrie Irving out like some Hall of Famer. Boston seems to be doing just fine without Kyrie Irving. Again, when was the last time? That Rozier anybody, guy is actually playing better than Kyrie Irving. When was the last time anybody that played with LeBron scored 40 points? We're including in the same game. Kyrie as, Irving did. He's the only guy. He hogged the ball. The bottom Wait, line LeBron is also the did too. He scored right 40. now seem to be better He's off with Rozier the at ways. the point than they were with Kyrie Irving. Oh, really? That's my whole point. We're going to find out. If that holds true, this is where I'm – we're now merging into the same yeah, agreement. Suddenly you're thinking that – you're thinking that Kyrie Irving made LeBron James as opposed to, no, I don't got know, LeBron the James he got making him over, Kyrie Irving. He got him over the top in that NBA championship. Now we're finally converging. And All what right. it is is I'm telling you, yeah. if LeBron's able to pull it together, yes. to rally the guys around him. Well, he's already done that. I'm talking to the level in this series I, I, already. I'm with you, but to the point to where they win the NBA championship – I don't. I, I another can't, NBA. How many more I championships does he need to a win? A hard time. It's, it's why how, is it the NBA championship it. again? You keep talking about it's championships. It. It's you how know it's this. done. It's when, how it's done. Here, here's like a, It's you know, how it's when done. When I hear that Aaron Rodgers won the Super Bowl, no, Aaron Rodgers on a Packer team that included, by the way, Brady Papinga. That's right. That won a Super well, Bowl, right? Give me Chris. Because otherwise, you're excluded from winning a Super Bowl. I hear you. Super Bowl winning Brady Papinga again. You were on a team that won the Super Bowl. You were a part. They do not win the Super Bowl without all those pieces. When I you're am in a agreeing team with you, sport, but there's a way that it's there's not an individual achievement there's to win a, way, a championship. There's a way that it, your your impact on the game. Yes. and this is where I define who's better or not. All right. Your imprint on the game. I believe Jordan's was far more deep and vast than LeBron's. Yes. that's it. All right. Now LeBron, he could change that perception by going out. Your like perception is not my perception. Yeah, I mean it's, it's your an argument. Perception. And I'm going to tell you right now, if he if he leads this team, this Cavs team to an NBA championship, I would have the most difficult time defending what I just said. But until that, because Jordan did it, Jordan did it multiple times. Led teams this caliber to NBA championships, did it in dominant fashion. Now, if LeBron does that, sure, I'm telling you right now, I, I would say this is a hard debate. I All mean, right. uh, so by he's the way, on the verge. You know what Michael on Jordan's scoring average was in Game Seven of NBA Finals? You what know what his scoring that? average what was? Zero point zero. Never had a Game Seven. The bottom oh, line geez. is, everyone says you know Jordan was six for six. Actually, he was yeah, six for fifteen. He was six for 15 <laughs> because they won six championships and he played 15 years. He wasn't six for six. He was six for 15. What about the other nine years that Jordan played and never even got to the NBA finals? They don't count. 
Did he only play six years? Hey, if Jordan only played that. six years and they won the championship and he was <laughs> six for six, it might be a different argument. But the fact is he played 15 years, as has, by the way, LeBron James. So I'm going to ask you, you real quick. Fatso We're Michael to... Jordan out there trying to stuff himself into a Washington Wizards hey, I ask you a uh, uniform in his 15th year. LeBron is playing his best basketball of his career. What metrics do you use? To equate the best player ever. I will mine, tell you. I will tell you. Because mine, it. yeah, I'll tell you mine too. All right, we'll, all right. We'll, we'll, we're we're here in the Geico place. Fox Sports Radio studios. Now, I know Gascon uh, agrees with me, right? Is uh, is there any argument, please? <laughs> there is. I'm, on who the I'm greatest you that player right of all time is? <laughs> there is. David, you're the you're the tiebreaker. No, okay. Michael Jordan. All right. There you go. I mean, two people that have no clue what they're talking about. It's unbelievable. There is an argument, Steve. I mean, you guys are point. so etherized. You can't, you can't say it's by the not. legend of Jordan, wearing no. your Air Jordans, I mean, I just, and everything else. I just have a pretty I mean, good memory. I, of I, I do think it is impressive that he has a zero zero points per game average in Game Sevens in the NBA Finals. Yeah, that's unbelievable. that would be that's average what, zero points. That's what happens when you close teams out exactly. earlier than you being mean, pushed to the brink of a powerhouses like the Seattle the Supersonics and that you talk Jazz team? Are you kidding me? The Phoenix Suns, Portland Trailblazers, the Utah Jazz. Utah Jazz. I mean, are you, you mean kidding? those powerhouse teams that he played in the oh, NBA Finals? The Utah yeah. Jazz, the Jazz. Yeah. Listen, oh, he, yeah. he did. He did actually have to play legit teams in the Eastern Conference just to get there. Steve, what do you mean the fisticuffs of the Pacers and the Knicks back yeah. in the day? Yeah, are you kidding me? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. This is like the team. Cleveland. Cavaliers right now and how they're nicely assembled. Right, but anyways, right. they got the Brooklyn Nets. He also had the, the best Toronto coach Raptors. ever in NBA history named Phil Jackson. Well, not and true. he never won anything he until become, Phil showed up. That's so not true. Steve he Kerr's be, the best. He didn't become no. the greatest coach Steve in Kerr. NBA history Steve, until what are you talking about, Phil Jackson? Steve Kerr's smug. Steve Kerr is the Steve best Kerr is head coach the, 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 he's ever. He's in the Hall of Smug. That's what he said. <laughs> hall of Smug. Guys, you were ranting about Major League Baseball start off the show, so we got one game in progress right now from Yankee Stadium. Yankees and Indians are scoreless in the top of the third inning. Trevor Bauer and Sonny Gray are in that pitching matchup. And believe it or not, Giancarlo Stanton has not struck out just yet in that ball game. Still batting 233 this season. Meanwhile, the NBA got a couple game threes today. 76ers down 2-0 the Boston Celtics. Tip-off time is at 5 o'clock. 8.30 Eastern. Cavaliers at home leading the Raptors 2-0 as that game will get underway. That is the nightcap as well. And then switching on over to the National Football League, just a couple quick notes. Vikings have signed second-round pickoff. It's a tackle Brian O'Neill to a four-year deal. Seattle Seahawks have released defensive end Cliff Averill. He failed a physical. Gentlemen? Hi, right, very, very good. Uh, we're going to uh, jump <laughs> on with I, Alex Marvez here shortly. Can I tell you what the yes. physical thing means? Hmm. Basically, they wanted to cut him anyway, and they were just waiting for him to take a physical because – they knew that he would fail it, at least in their terms. Because every every team doctor is different as to how they determine a failed physical. Mm-hmm. And it was just purely a ploy to it's – it's a contract thing. That's all it was. They are going to cut him anyway is my point. But it's funny how they say it's a failed physical because – they're just going to cut him. They just use the physical as the excuse. I, I, we have a lot of NFL to get to today. I mean, a lot. And the fallout. But LeBron, hey, way, about that LeBron thing, this is, this no, is hold, the ultimate hold on, kicker. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let What's me that? just mention okay. this. We're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 50 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. All right, go ahead. Okay, here's the bottom line. All right, bottom line. Your bottom line. Well, this is how I equate it. Yeah. The way I equate it is Jordan's the best because of his impact, and it's not statistics. It's how he elevated guys around him to play at higher levels than they otherwise would have never been able to reach without his presence. And yes, Pippen in those years, or the year where 
where Jordan was playing baseball, played very well. Right. I do believe that was because of Jordan, because Pippen learned from Jordan. He had taken a lot of what Jordan had taught him and implemented it, mm-hmm. and that is what elevated his game. LeBron hasn't been that kind of player to the Cavs. He has been a guy that every time where things seem to get a little hairy, you know, last second or whatever, he all of a sudden wants to take control. And all right, well, he doesn't hold have that, the delegation in him like Jordan. Have, and that's where I, I see have the a difference. major retort on that. But okay. we'll save that for a second. Do, because joining us right now, <laughs> Sirius XM NFL Radio's Alex Marvez is uh, back on. All right, Alex. Uh, the the fallout from the NFL draft, you know, I'm I'm hearing so many stories now that all these prognosticators on who was supposed to go where were so wrong. <laughs> and part of it is is that they're fed information by these teams on who they like and who they don't like, and they eat it up and they spit it out as fact when in, in reality they've been sold a bill of goods. Please tell me for future uh, watching why I should listen to anybody trying to predict who is the right pick or the wrong pick as far as the NFL draft is concerned. You shouldn't. You really shouldn't because it's just a crapshoot. And, you know, it's interesting. If you go to WalterFootball.com, the name Walter, WalterFootball.com, these guys do a pretty good job. And they, they look at everyone's mock drafts. And they list a report card every year of what, what, who got what right, and you know, really atop the list. And they actually were pretty darn good. I think they were up, uh, in you know, somewhere between eight and ten picks. I think uh, was it was what it was. Daniel Jeremiah, a uh, former NFL scout, who you know, obviously, and, and worked in front offices and has a bunch of sources, and works his tail off at it too. A credit to him. He got eight right. But I mean, you go all the way down. Peter King, one of the best in the business. The like, guy got two right. You know what I mean? It's just it's it's silly with these mock drafts because what happens? One thing goes wrong, and every your mock draft just gets thrown for a loop. And you are right; teams are are feeding misinformation to people. You know the way that you try to compile it. Quite honestly, and I was told this, and I don't do them for the very reason you're talking about because I actually care about my credibility. But in in the case would be like, okay, I call up an executive, let's say for the Packers, right? Who I know, and I say, well, who do you think they're going to pick one spot in front of you, or who do you think they're going to pick spot one? spot in back of you. You know, you may not necessarily ask them what they're going to do with the pick, but you try to ferret out that information from others. And, you know, of course, you are you do see teams that put out misinformation. Heck, you had the New England Patriots trying to tell people, yeah, we, you know, like Baker Mayfield's agent, oh yeah, we were considering moving up from 23 <laughs> to the Giants at 2, so we could maybe draft Baker Mayfield. Can you book in Baker for a visit? And, and part of that is because the Patriots try to conduct interviews with all of these quarterbacks to try to see what they know, what they don't. It's part of their scouting process on these guys so you know you get things like that it is silly season and of course people still fall for it hook line and sinker every year with the whole mock draft thing well i was wondering about you know along those same lines when you look at baker mayfield and the fact that the the cleveland browns basically shocked everybody everybody was saying oh my gosh he shot up the draft board right but i mean is that i mean in my experience, and when I talk to my guys that are in the front office, they laugh at that because they're like, we always knew he was the number one guy. Right. Uh, I mean, and so from your experience interacting with these front office people, Alex, is it really people shooting up draft boards or is it just finally it comes to fruition or into the public's realm that, hey, we've always looked at him as the number one overall pick. You guys just couldn't get a read on it because we didn't share that information with you. Yeah, you know, and I learned a lesson about that with Chandler Jones. 
and you know, a couple years ago. Chandler Jones, no one was talking about him until about three or four days before the draft, and that one leaked out that, oh, wait, this guy, NFL teams love him, and he's going to be a mid first round pick and you know you hear oh you know look like the the combine stuff right oh this guy made money today yeah. and you know this type of stuff that ends up happening look and you and you have a team that that ultimately sometimes gets suckered right i mean sure. look at the dallas cowboys with, with byron jones right now they don't know if he's not a safety he's a corner what is he right it's a wasted first round pick is really what it is at this point because he doesn't really play either particularly well but he's an incredible athlete who you got blinded by one of the things that Jeff Ireland said now he and listen you talk about a guy who learned right new orleans uh, you know director of college scouting had that home run draft for the saints last year yeah. back in 2009 he went to the combine and he loved pat white just loved everything that pat huh. white did at the combine was blown away by the kid and the dolphins actually did move him up in the draft board and obviously that turned out to be a complete disaster, a, a wasted second-round pick. The guy couldn't hit a side of a barn, you know. I mean, with a football, he was terrible at quarterback. But that's where a team got blinded by it as well. Yeah, again, you know, so much of this, too. I mean, listen, there are teams that may leak information regarding something controversial with a prospect to try to knock them down a little bit, maybe a failed drug test, maybe something just get some information out there on a guy to try to make sure that, you know what, they start to slide. Like, for example, how what's the deal with this Twitter account with Josh Allen, right? And, and why did this information come out? Could that have been leaked by a team that says, oh, well, maybe someone will get scared off on Josh Allen, and then he'll slide down the charts, and we'll be able to draft him? I believe stuff like that happens. But I'm with you on, on where they target players. By and large, these things are decided well in advance, and the smart GMs are the ones who keep their mouths shut and just, and, and just goes about their business and hopes that nothing leaks out from their building. All right, one of the theories about why the Chargers continue to pass on quarterbacks in the draft, they don't want to upset Phillip Rivers. He even <laughs> said last year when they didn't take so – uh, Deshaun Watson, he goes, that's a good thing because, uh, you know, we have other needs right now. Same thing with the Giants uh, not taking a quarterback at number two. And apparently now Big Ben is upset <laughs> that the Steelers decided to take a quarterback. He did a uh, uh, interview on the fan in Pittsburgh. Here's what he said. I was surprised when they, they took a quarterback because I thought that maybe in the third round, you know, you could actually get some really good football players that can help the team now. So he's yeah. already saying, great. You've wasted a pick when we need to win now. What's the fallout going to be? Well, for Ben, nothing. I mean, of course, he's just ruined the quarterback room, right? And if you're Mason Rudolph, you're probably crushed because you were hoping that maybe one of the game's greatest quarterbacks would give you the time of day. You know what I mean? And like, instead, it's Ben's like, who is this kid? Who even cares? I'm going to keep playing here. And of course, this all comes from Ben Roethlisberger, the guy who says that he might be retiring. You know, about what, 14, 15 months ago? Yeah. Until you, until you know, <laughs> doing that. I mean, so it's an extremely selfish thing, and that's Ben's deal. And you know, look, uh, you know, maybe too, he got upset with Josh Dobbs in that pick last year because the selection of Mason Rudolph indicates that the Steelers probably wasted a mid-round pick on Josh Dobbs. You're not drafting quarterbacks in the mid-rounds for two straight years. It's just not. You're not doing that unless the guy you took first isn't panning out and you think that maybe the guy who you're picking second has more of a chance. You know, Mason Rudolph has a chance to legitimately become, uh, you know, someone to replace Ben Roethlisberger. But, you know, that's, that's Ben. And, you know, it's just, again, the Steelers cannot get out of their own way when it comes to drama. This is how this team operates, right? I mean, they create their own problems, their own headaches, like no other team I've seen in the NFL that wins on a consistent basis. And that's, I think, the thing that sort of drives you crazy if you're a Steelers fan. You know, all the talk last year before the Jags game, you had a team that was unfocused, already looking ahead to New England and trying to avenge that loss, and look what ended up happening. They got smoked by the Jaguars. Well, you know, again, is that really going to change this year? The way that starting off with Ben Roethlisberger and probably on all the, the more smoke you're 
going to get from Le'Veon Bell, not hopefully not literally this time, but figuratively, as the transition tag, the franchise tag deadline approaches, you're going to see that come up. It's going to be very interesting to watch the Steelers team this year because Mike Tomlin has been feeling some heat, from what I understand, from some of the team's minority owners. They are not happy with the job that he's done, but the Rooney family remains firmly entrenched in the camp of Mike Tomlin, at least for right now. Yeah, and I'm with I'm you know I'm with Rooney's. I, if you look at Mike Tomlin's record, Alex, it's unbelievable. I don't, I don't get why you, know, you hear from Terry Bradshaw. He gets the criticism that well, that's Bradshaw. He's, a he's got a weird relationship with the Steelers. You know that. I mean, he didn't. Oh, he wouldn't even go to people's funerals when he's in the vicinity, like when Chuck Knoll died. Oh. I mean, that that's a so, weird so one. So he's right? just I mean, going that, after the Steelers. I get you. But yeah, I don't, he's, I mean, he's been bitter. Look there, and remember too, the Steelers used to not pay. I mean, back in the seventies, you know, oh. they like they, everyone. Jack Lambert. He held out. I mean, there's a guys that were really furious. Franco Harris, think about his career ending with the Seattle Seahawks because the Steelers wouldn't pay him. But I understand where you're coming from with Tomlin, but the question becomes this. Has the message faded out? Are guys listening to Mike Tomlin? Is he reaching these players? You know, I think, for example, John Harbaugh, his tenure in Baltimore, if he gets fired at the end of the season, if they don't make the postseason, I think the guy's going to go somewhere else and be an incredible head coach. Yeah. But maybe his message has run a little bit thin through the years. And a guy that you and I both know real well, I'm pulling for him in Green Bay, but Mike McCarthy is the same thing. Is he going to be able to weather the storm here and, you know, get back into the postseason and have some success, or is his message worn thin as well? Mm, fascinating. Well, i tell you what, it's – it's crazy stuff. Every single week in the National Football That's what League. I love about the NFL. All right. Well, so Alex, many moving parts. As always, man, we appreciate your time. Thanks so much. Oh, fabulous, guys. Can't wait till next Saturday. Thanks All right. There again. he is. I'm Alex Marvez, Sirius XM NFL Radio. We're in the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. I want to stay with the NFL for a second because the NFL is trying to figure out what the hell are we going to do with the kickoff? We'll have the solution coming up next. Hartman and Papinga. Hey, we're brought to you by Granger. Products and services you need when you need them. Granger's got your back to help keep your facility running. Granger, for the ones who get it done. The NFL's got a problem right now, Brady. They're trying to What's figure that? out what the hell to do with this kickoff. So, Well, it's been fascinating, the adjustments. Well, adjust. let me ask you about the adjustments they're talking about. Okay, I'll break it down for you. And what this actually does for the kickoff. So they haven't ruled out the kickoff, but they want to make things safer. I'm going to say this. They've ruled it out. But not, and I'll tell right. you why as you all break right. it well, down. Me, all I'm right. tell you why. These this, are the things that you're they're not going to recognize what the kickoff is. Uh, all right. If they implement all these changes that they're proposing. Okay. Because again, for ninety nine point nine 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 percent of us, we have no idea what this even means. But obviously, you do. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's let's take them one at a time. All right. The first thing they want to do is eliminate the two man wedge. What exactly does that mean? Okay. Well, there was a time when I was even playing that they want to eliminate four men. Okay. We're like you'd literally get your four biggest beefiest guys that weren't starting offensive linemen, and you would have them line up, and they would hook arms. Right. And they would run up in front of the carrier like a freaking battering ram. Right. And my job was to find the crease between those two and run as fast as I could and try to burst in there, causing concussions for myself, for those. I mean, it was just a disaster. All right, so now even a two-man wedge, they they, want to eliminate. So what they did is they went from that. It's okay, fine. Everybody's on their own, all single guys out there, Well, now it's now all that you can't combine those blocks because those were some of the biggest collisions. So now everybody's on their own. So you got to be one-on-one blocked up. That's what that means. So there's no more barricading and The other two things they want to do. And this is on both sides. First of all, for the kickoff coverage team, no running start. And then that only 
three players can be beyond 15 yards of the restraining line on the receiving team. So what they're trying to do is make the kickoff look more like a punt. Exactly. And that's what I'm going to say. Another thing that the two-man wedge, eliminating it does, now that you're going to have one-on-one blocks, even more of a premium for big guys, like those big offensive lineman guys or defensive lineman guys, not to be even beyond the special teams, which, again, you get smaller guys out there, you get them closer together. What you're now doing is you're just envision the punt where basically you're chasing guys down the field instead of having guys have 15-yard head starts All right, running but, well, head I'm on. I'm trying to get a visual of this. All right, So my, just imagine my this. My visual is, is the fact, though, if, if everyone is sort of bunched up at – where the kickoff so, is coming. Yeah, imagine it just being like a punt, but, but instead of it being a snap. But, but if you're deep. kicking deep, right? Yeah. And there's no running start for the coverage team, and he feels the ball at the goal line, he's basically going to he's going to run 20 yards before anyone gets close to him. No, because the, the, the kickoff will be high enough. It, well, just like a punt. It's high enough to where the guys will be able to run under it. So, and now, but, it. so you're pooch kicking? I mean, there could be. I mean, there's that. Well, because that's a thing that was proposed was, hey, because college now you can fair catch because it's eliminating the Bill Belichick rule, which he's like, right. dude, I'm not kicking out of the end zone giving you 25. I'm going to pooch it. Right. To like the one. And that's or what the we two. said originally. I couldn't understand yeah. this why people weren't kicking it to the goal line. So, the first year they didn't figure out the second year they so did. They, they, they proposed that. Hey, let's, let's fair catch it and just move it to 25. The NFL said, right. no, no, we're not going to do that, but we'll do this. Which, yeah, it still creates an opportunity to pooch it, but here's the situation. And and this is how it's going to look. Imagine punt, okay. but instead of there being a long snapper, just basically the punter is the kicker. He puts the ball on the tee. The guys, the, both the, the receiving team, the kicking team, are basically right next to each other. And after the kick, it's you're going to be falling. It's going to be a chase block instead of a big collision block. Is this more conducive? Again, I, I let's get in to layman's me. It's just, is getting, this more conducive to a big return or a l- less? You still conducive? got a chance. I mean, it's it's either way. I mean, to me, it's it's more conducive to pinning teams. Well, what down. would your blocking strategy be with just the new like rules? Punt. It's just like punt. You're going to have guys in a trail. They call it a trail technique, and then all you're doing, you're trying to wall them off, depending on which way. The, Can you, you double team guys on the kickoff coverage team? In other words, if you're blocking and you're you saying, can. You, you got, can, you have to, but you have to do what they call a vice. Okay. Like one, ha- one guy has to engage, and right. another guy has to come. You can't have them can't connected, be connected before, and that's right. a wedge. So again, it's it, to me, it's stupid. It's like if it's going to be like a punt, just have it be a punt. Let me ask you this: Why not do this? You know, there, there's a certain anticipation to the start of a football game with the opening kickoff. Yeah. All right, I mean, it's just it's just the way I, we I get the think, game started. I think anything would be. Why don't you do this? Why don't you do this? How about limit the number of kickoffs to the start of the game and the start of the second half? After that, no. every every score team no. takes the ball on the 25-yard line. Because that one kickoff can – you know how much – oh, the damage. I hate kickoff. I hate it. You're hammerhead, man. That's that's my freaking <laughs> concussions. Pop my ACL. Not a good experience. I have terrible right. memories of that. Well, Man. eventually the kickoff is going to be eliminated from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. More LeBron Sebastian coming up next. Oh, what a Saturday. Yeah, what a Saturday indeed. It is Harbin and Papinga coming alive from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to Geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Well, yes, indeed, the uh, – NBA playoffs are in full swing, and, you know, I I have to admit that every once in a while, rare, 
I, I have a misstep, at least a hiccup. All right. What do you mean? Well, I had uh, a hiccup. Predicting stuff? Or well, what? yeah, you know, not all my predictions. I, I'd say mine are pretty good most of the Sometimes. time. Um, but one of them I said before the NBA playoffs began, we sat here, right? And before we were really touting those Sixers, Ben Simmons, I said, when the playoffs were done, the most talked about player will be Ben Simmons. That was my exact quote. This is before a single game had been played in the NBA plus. And I looked pretty good in that first round, but now they are talking about Ben Simmons for all the wrong reasons. Ben Simmons, and this this goes back to coaching, and I I, I want to get your perspective on this. All right. And I had my buddy Michael Thompson talking about this with me yesterday. So the Philadelphia 76ers are playing the Boston Celtics game two, and the Celtics have already won Wait game one. You're still friends with him? After uh, you just killed him with his son on air about oh Kevin Durant, Michael Thompson, Clay Thompson's I, disappearing. Fact, He's no longer an All Star. Yeah. He'll never be able to score. He's not going to get a shot. Remember that one? Yeah, Michael and Man, I. Are, you really are got like, him. We're like brothers. All right. <laughs> Although it was funny because I talked to his wife Julia also the other day. I hadn't talked to Julia well, in a while. Did, and, well, let me say this: yeah. did, did Michael finally did he bring it back to say Clay's doing pretty good with Kevin Durant? Do you remember that? Did you ever bring it back around to that conversation? Yeah, no. My my thing about him is when is Clay Thompson <laughs> going to be a Laker? But that's a, another story. <laughs> uh, let's go back to uh, game two. So Philadelphia is up twenty-two in this game. All right, yeah. it looks like Pure the control. Sixers are in control and they're about to uh, tie up this series at two-two. The problem for the Sixers in the game, though is that Ben Simmons is struggling offensively. He just can't make a shot. And they actually put him on the bench. And they put in T.J. McConnell, who no one's ever heard of this guy. but He lit it up. So he's their backup. And now, all of a sudden, the Celtics are making the big rally. What's his plus minus, McConnell's? Well, I'll get to that. Okay. So so now we got five and a half minutes to go in the game. And the Sixers are clinging to a two-point lead. But this McConnell guy... Is on the floor. Yeah, he sparks them. And he sparks them. So now the coach for the Sixers has got to make a decision. Do I put Simmons back in or do I stay with a hot hand? He put Simmons and he decides back in. to put Simmons back in. They get outscored 17-10 the rest of the game, and they lose, and they're down two games to none. And, it's absolutely coaching. But what the coach said after the game was even more aggravating because what he said was, look, Ben Simmons basically basically said this. He goes, look, Simmons is our future, and he's going to have to learn how to play in these situations. That's so the I asked, stupidest thing I've ever I, heard. I asked Michael Thompson about that. He goes, let me tell you something. When I was playing for the Lakers, I'm backing up Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and Pat Riley's our coach. And we're in the fourth quarter of games, and I'm in the game, and we're playing really well. Guess who stayed on the bench? Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. This was a no-brainer. Well, are you worried of offending Ben Simmons, a rookie, Stupidest by not thing. putting him back in the game? I'm with you. Here's, Unbelievable. But here's the here's the biggest misstep. I believe that Ben Simmons should have been in the game, but here's what they should have done. They should have kept McConnell in there at point and yep. moved Ben Simmons to another position, but I get that thinking that, oh, he's not very good at shooting outside. They're going to pack it. Whatever. But still, like if you feel like you need to get him on the court, I mean, I, I would have felt compelled to because he's your best player. Obviously, with Kareem, you're sort of stuck. He's a center. He's not going to go out there and play power forward. Or, right. Ben Simmons is versatile enough. He can go play small forward, power forward. Heck, he probably put him at center. Uh, not, not, that you, not that you do that then beat out there, but there's options with him. And that's, to me, like, you got this guy that's, like, supposedly the close. I mean, when he moves, he looks like LeBron. I haven't seen a guy look like that. I mean, they're they're almost twins. 
LeBron's the same thing. You can play LeBron all five positions. So to me, the biggest mistake wasn't that you should have kept him on the bench. He was half right. You put him in there, but you say, hey, we need to switch you. But if they haven't cross-trained him to he's not playing any other position outside of point guard, all right. then that also is Let, bad coaching. This was Brett Brown, the uh, coach of the Sixers, after the game explaining the move. It's a tough decision, I admit it. Um, this whole playoff experience is something that I want our young guys and our star players to learn from and grow. And uh, the decision, do you go with TJ still or do you come back to Ben Simmons? I'm coming back to Ben Simmons. I'm coming back to Ben. He's had a hell of a year. I think he's the rookie of the year. I think he's going to have to learn how to play in these environments. And, and I'm going back with Ben Simmons. All right, this you, guy this should is, be oh, – right, okay, I'm telling you right now. Awful. I'm going to just tell you right now. He's – if they – look, they can still come back in the series and make it a series against the Celtics. But how I look at it right now, if I'm the brass of the Sixers, he pretty much just nailed in his own kind of coffin like, this is, you're done. Because there's two mistakes. This is, yeah, I mean, he's he's earned it. And it's because, first, why are you looking at this as a training moment? Right, like it's a guarantee this team, look, you got a this big is, man you're not in anybody that you don't even know is going to stand upright. You, you're, <laughs> you're assuming, well, we're going to be here many, many times no. over the years. And the whole point, I mean, the, the old saying, you're there to win the game. Right. You're not there. To, I'm not here to develop this is not Ben some Simmons. game in November. This is, exactly. This isn't a preseason game. This is you the freaking playoffs. You to win the game, game exactly. two. You had a 22-point lead. You're hanging you on. You play the guys that you are going to. Unbelievable. Because, because the thing is, and also another misstep, this guy doesn't even have the perception to know that sometimes the best perspective to learn, if in fact this is a learning experience, is have is your butt on the si- bench. Thank you. And be a, from thank a perspective you. of, man, I should be out there. I'm not because X, Y, Z, which Ben knew why. He stopped pressing the envelope. Now, he he kept trying to go to the well too many times and drive and use his physical attributes. He's got to develop other parts of his game. That would have been a great moment for him to be like, man, I should be out there, and all I got to do is work on X, Y, Z, which I could hone that in, maybe not now, but in the offseason, emphasize a little bit more in the next game. I mean, it's an opportunity for him to grow being on the bench. Two, I would say crucial errors that any coach in coaching one-on-one would have made simply and said, look, we're going with the hot hand. You're staying on the bench. you got to figure this out. There we go. We're winning the game. I mean, it, All right, but, I but am this... at a loss. Like, this is where okay. the player's getting thrown under the bus, but it should be all on the coach for not setting him up to be successful. This this brings to mind, and you have to go back in time like I do, to almost 50 years ago, Dang. the biggest second guess in the history of the NBA. All right? Game seven, NBA Finals. The Lakers are hosting the Boston Celtics. The Lakers have now acquired Wilt Chamberlain to go with Elgin Baylor and Jerry West. This turns out to be Bill Russell's last game. But the Lakers, instead of playing in Boston, finally get a game seven at home at the Forum. The Lakers are down big. They're down 17 to the Celtics when all of a sudden Chamberlain hurts his leg. He limps off the court right near the start of the fourth quarter, sits on the bench. Because of the injury. So they bring in the substitute guy, and all of a sudden the Lakers catch fire. And they're down one. Wilt is, meantime, on the bench saying, I'm ready to get back in the game. And the coach, Butch Van Bredikoff, says, no, 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 no. you're fine. You just stay right there, right? Lakers get within one. And then, you know, the Celtics are trying to hang on. Don Nelson, who later became the coach, Don Nelson, right, he throws up some shot put shot right to beat the buzzer. The ball hits the back of the rim, goes straight up in the air, and drops in. 
The Lakers end up losing the game by two. Again, they were down 17 yeah. when Chamberlain hit the bench. Afterwards, Van Bray, why didn't you bring Wilt back in the game? Well, because we were rolling without him. That's why. Yeah. yeah. But he, to this day, and time has changed. Well, Van Bredikov made the biggest mistake ever. He should have put Wilt back in the game. They're like, no. no, 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 no. They were down 17 in the fourth quarter. He went to the bench, and they won on this huge yeah. run. When he was on the bench, but that's the problem. If you don't bring back Ben Simmons, I guess Brett Brown's thinking this, right? And it, we lose, and we lose. I'm like, well, what, what? Are you crazy? Why would you? Well, you we can't. But think we, that went way. With the, we went with a hot hand. You can't. I, in my world, I don't care. You're thinking I'm gonna. Send, I'm following sound principles, right? And if I go down, at least I'm going down following sound principles. Like that's how I am, right? You know what I mean? It's not. A, it's not a case of oh. I By the way, Mike, like I said, Michael Thompson's in lockstep with us right now. He said, "I don't care what he sits." Exactly. And if you lose, you lose. But you're saying, right. "Dude, we're playing the hot hand, and that's how we're going to be." Right. And also, here we are again in a situation to where it 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 serves Ben, it, ben Simmons no good because he's basically being hand fed minutes that he doesn't deserve. And, and it's bad culturally. I'm telling you right now, if you don't have it set up to where you're rewarding your guys, like McConnell should have been rewarded with the effort, with the productivity, with the, 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 the kind of game he was playing, to be in the critical moments of that game based off of his productivity. And if that would have happened, it sends the whole message to the team like, man, you do well. We're going to pay, you know, we're going to pay it back to you. We're going to, we're going to pay it off in minutes. You're going to get yours if you go out there and show well, which McConnell did. And then also it sends a message to Ben Simmons. Well, dude, I got to play better. This isn't like, this is obviously not our, and, and it's not the culture. I mean, Ben, and it's doing him an injustice because basically you're just giving him these entitlements and these earmarks that, hey, you're, you're going to get to play. You're our superstar. You don't have to really earn it. And, that now starts to work against him and his developments, and that's the irony there, Steve. All right. Is it works against the very thing that he's claiming that it's doing, exactly. which is developing his guy. It's actually stunning his development. I I'm in lockstep with you on that one. All right, we're here in the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Uh, Cavaliers already up 2-0 in the series against the Raptors after two amazing road victories, trying to get a stranglehold on the series. And then there's LeBron James. We'll explain to you. When I say we, I mean me. We'll explain to you <laughs> how there's only one aspect of Michael Jordan's career that is still beyond what LeBron has done. Coming up next. Hi, right, Ben and Pabinga, coming live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. All right, we we started this conversation a little bit earlier. I just want to sort of wrap this up right now about LeBron versus Michael Jordan. Sure. I want to make only one concession right now. When comparing who's a better player, well, let's, let me before well, you do well, that. Look, let me ask I, you this: I, I, I'm trying to start. Something. I know. Hold on. Hold on a sec. Yeah, but let's 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 be clear as to what is your metrics all right, in well, defining. I, I, I will get to all. That. Okay, I want right, to just because because right. a lot of times okay. when you have these discussions, but I think the metrics are interesting because we're talking about well, they got to be different apples, things. Yeah, they got to be apples to apples. All right. Okay. Or, all right. So looking at two different things. There, there's two different ways to gauge value. Okay. okay. Two different ways. There is one way of measuring value where Michael Jordan will never be exceeded ever. And that is bringing eyeballs to the NBA. When you look at the numbers of Michael Jordan in the 1990s, the NBA will never see those numbers again, ever. They're not even close. They're not even in the same vicinity. It was very similar to Tiger Woods in golf. Yep. 
No one has ever transcended the NBA like Michael Jordan. Not Bird, not Magic, nobody, nobody, not even close. And so when we talk about transcending the sport and star power in the sport, Jordan is in a class by himself. It's not even close. And no one will ever do with Jordan. It was a perfect storm. It was his style of play. It was the 90s. It was just everything came together where, remember, when ESPN did their sports century, they named Michael Jordan the greatest athlete of the century, Hmm. which, you know, over Muhammad Ali, over Jackie Robinson. I mean, it was incredible. But they did that, and it was, you know, on the heels of what he had done in the 1990s. So I will concede that when it comes to elevating the NBA, LeBron is not even in the same zip code as Michael Jordan. But what I'm talking about is when things you can do on the basketball court, what are you capable of doing in every facet of the game in basketball? And to do that at the highest level for an uninterrupted extended period of time. Remember LeBron's in his 15th season this year for the second consecutive year, he led the league in minutes played. for the first time in his career. He played all 82 games. He set career highs this year in both rebounds and assists. And he did that on probably the least talented team that he has played on since very early in his career in Cleveland. So this is a guy who is getting better, much better in his 15th year. You're not going to find a lot of guys, unlike Barry Bonds. Hold on one sec. Hold on. on, on. You know, that actually starts He's not getting better. He's he's playing more, which means, and like you said, he's getting less help, which means he has to do more. And he's doing more at a more efficient level than he ever has before. So that that one, that statement's tough there. It's not tough because the numbers do not lie. His efficiency has never been greater than it is right now. His numbers don't support that he's getting better because he has to. Shooting percent, everything is up. He's playing more. And he's playing with lesser talent. His so he shooting percentages, everything's up. Of course, he has to do more. But he he's doing more, more efficiently. This is when you talk not about really. like he's Russell driving West. the basket. He's playing one on one, just like he always has. It's not a matter of no, this guy, no. you know, using he picks. He's doing more. Using he is a better player now. By, by the way, layups. By the way, nah, part is, of it is conditioning as well. I talked to, to Michael Thompson. Did you know this about LeBron James? What's that? He spends about one point five million dollars a year, which for him is chump change, just on conditioning. I wouldn't and not that. only on conditioning, but working on his game. He doesn't just show up because he's in great condition. No, he is tireless. This is a guy that's got all this outside noise in his world, business guy, everything's going on, but he never loses focus ever on what is number one to him, and that is to be the best basketball player he can possibly be. So there is he does more on the basketball court than Jordan ever did. It's not even close on all the different things he can do on the basketball court. Like, what right, do you mean, so like what do you mean, like versatility? Everything, everything. Uh, no, Michael Jordan. Look, Michael Jordan can do everything LeBron, but he has didn't done. No, he, he wasn't a facilitator. I'll tell you one thing: LeBron never, ever, ever, ever says I'm going to go up against the best player on defense, shut him down, and He's then I'm going to have it. enough chal- I'm going to have enough left in my tank. And then turn around and have an awesome offensive game. He never does that. He takes a guy to well, where you he say can go. He never does that. Of course, he's done oh, that. They Spurs, put him on. 
They'll put him on well, like at the Jordan fourth quarter. Jordan didn't do that the full game. Oh, yeah, he did. No, no, you got to go back no, and watch no, his games. No. You forgot oh, yeah. that Scotty Pippen. Go back and Pippen, watch his games. Scotty Pippen was the key defensive guy in that Bulls team. Yeah, and Jordan. then you had Rodman, who was also one of the dominant defensive players often, of the era. How many years did Jordan play with Rodman? Three, three well, big years. There were other three years where Jordan was with himself. Scotty <laughs> Pippen was the best him. defensive player in the league during that run. Well, no Jordan, question. how many defensive player of the years did Jordan win? Well, that again, a lot of guys. Get, Kobe win? Bryant got a bunch of uh, first team All NBA defensive players. Point is, when he Kobe, wasn't even playing defense. Point is, is LeBron would never do that. Okay, another thing, and this is what I always go back to. Yeah. This is where we're different. Okay, because how I'm me- I'm measuring my metric goes into it's beyond the stats. It goes into simply how did he elevate his team around him, and by far, Michael had elevated his team, empowered his team, delegated like a CEO. To guys around him more than LeBron. That's why his teams, without the same level of talent, were able to be championship. Why do you keep belittling teams? the Bulls' talent? You're, you're talking um, about Pippen and Rodman, who are oh, Hall no. of Famers, like they were it's, nobodies. It's legit, but they weren't championship caliber players to where if you put them on other teams, Rodman they won could championships carry with Detroit. No. Yeah, but he wasn't the main player. He was a complimentary player. So was Pippen. These guys were they, so they was Kyrie Irving was no, a complimentary player. What team has he led to a championship? The Celtics a are complimentary better player him. isn't a player who goes out in a finals game and scores forty points. Well, That's of course not they a are. No, he's not. A guy who goes out and scores forty points. You know why he scored forty points? Because he had LeBron James allow him to do that. Jordan oh. just hogged the ball as much as he possibly could. Who also scored forty in that same game? It was LeBron. They both hogged the ball. They both basically did the same thing, well, how do, showing that they're then, both then superstars. How would, you, how would you classify the Golden State Warriors? Is there anybody really worth his weight and salt on the on the Warriors, or are they just removable pieces? I mean, they won championships oh, no. before I mean, they, Durant, so you can't say Durant was vital to the Warriors because they won without Durant. So he's not vital. Steph Curry, they were winning all these games without Curry out for several games. Who Who's valuable? Oh, hold on a second. Let me get to that one, but let me all finish right. what I'm saying. Go so – that's the metric I look at. I don't. Right. I don't see these guys that LeBron has won a championship with, even in in Miami with Bosh and Wade. That was by far way more. I mean, Wade went on to win an MVP. I mean, you could almost say Wade was just as good as LeBron. You could never say that about Pippen and Jordan or Le- or Rodman and Jordan or anybody ever played with. And so that's why to me, it's never going to be close unless, like this year, if LeBron could take this team who's got probably the least amount of talent he's ever had. And they're pretty much role complementary players, just like Jordan had. And he can turn them into this championship caliber team where he's leading the charge. Man, okay, well, let me that's ask a you hard this. argument let me, to go let me against. Let take that. Let's he, say, let's, he may just be the best. I'll I'm tell you what. If they, so we'll e- see. Even if they get just to the NBA Finals. Let's say they get to the NBA Finals and I they are now. battling this Warrior team that, let's face it, is light years ahead of this Cavaliers roster. And somehow they extend them to a seventh game, but they lose game seven to Golden State. You go, yep, ah, forget it. LeBron's not there. Didn't finish the job. Are you going to do that? Really? I'd have to see it. What do you mean you have to see know. it? If he could take this team against the Warriors. Well, again, I mean, you're telling – I mean, there's a lot of assumptions there. You're assuming that LeBron's, like, actually playing well. What if What if we have that same exact scenario you just spelled out, and LeBron's averaging 25 points, taking 30 shots, he's struggling, but it's guys around him that are actually, like, doing a lot more work than we expected? Obviously, I could not say that, yeah, that, that actually helps LeBron's legacy. But in the same breath, like, uh, when the Warriors won their first championship, and Kyrie was out, and LeBron literally was carrying. You remember the Cavs. that? I was in the and when I and I was there, and I was with you, and I said this: if he finishes this out, it's I I would have to say he eclipses Jordan. Obviously, he didn't do it, but under that scenario, yeah, I would have to I, again. 
That'd be a hard argument to go against. Now, uh, back to your well, lawyer. Let, let's, let's go back to that, Sarah. I'm glad you mentioned oh, okay. that series. Let's okay. That. So, okay. this is the 2015 NBA Finals. And again, uh, Kyrie Irving was out. Here, here was the rest of the starting lineup for the Cavs in that series. They had Mozkov, Tristan Thompson, Delavadova, and <laughs> Shumpert. That so was I'm your, telling you. That was their starting lineup. That's they what won, I'm telling you. They won six games in that series. He averaged. 36 points, 13 rebounds, 9 assists per game, and they gave the series MVP to Andre Iguodala. Well, he was impressive, but I'll say this. More impressive than LeBron? Well, no, LeBron should have got the MVP, remember? Yes. Yeah, I mean, it was his to win. He should have got it, but everybody wants to go with the team that wins. Right. I was, I mean, that to me, that's the comp right there. Jordan, that's his team's. That essentially no, were his team. What are you talking that yeah. Scotty Pippen is Tristan Thompson or uh I mean I mean Shumpert? What was Shumpert's average? What was his average during that time? In that series? Yeah. Shumpert in that series averaged let's see Shumpert. He averaged six points, four rebounds, okay. and one assist. Now what was well give me some. Moskov was their second leading scorer in that series. Where was he at? Fourteen points, eight rebounds. You want to compare that to Scotty Pippen? Well, I mean it's probably a combo of guys though. Oh, come on. No, it was. It was All a right. combo of guys that basically took Scottie Pippen's spot. But right. outside of that, I mean, that's the same kind of talent, essentially, that you're looking at what Jordan was able to win championships <laughs> no, with. No, 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 Stop it. I can't. Stop it. I can't. I'm just you're telling comparing you. comparing the hey, jumper to uh, Scottie Pippen? Well, I was trying to figure out where the other productivity came from, and you just proved it to me. There's a couple was other guys. a one-man game. All right, so, we're in the Geico Fox. But we got to touch two. on the Golden State Warriors thing. You, you I, left well, that hanging. I'm going to get you okay, the Golden go. State Warriors who have a walkover. I mean, I don't even know why we're talking NBA playoffs. <laughs> because even with their loss yeah, of the whatever. Pelicans last night, I mean, who's going to beat the Warriors? But uh, let's uh, let's bring on Gascon right now. All right, you're still you, beating this dead horse, man. Wait, wait it's, it's not. It's it, it I, it I, can't, I have to keep. You, I got to make sure that you guys are fully you, understanding just how wrong you are. You're living. Uh, you're a prisoner of the moment. A prisoner yes. of the moment. You guys Absolutely. are the prisoner. You're of living the past. in an alternative universe. Usually, usually, I'm the one that's being accused of living in the past. You guys need to bring yourself into the 21st century. Well, listen. Do you, you think LeBron? You're really living your childhood Le- with Michael Jordan. Listen, he would have survived, but do you think LeBron James's longevity would have been as long as it is now had he played during the era mm. of Michael Jordan? Oh, really? You know, that's it's interesting you mentioned that because a in a very one. physical era of the yeah, NBA, very in the early physical. 90s, if you know. Bre- you know, you know, LeBron, he's called for a uh, you know, who, so you know who did not have such to? Such a whiner. Whoa, 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 whoa. In that era of the early 90s, most physical time during the NBA, guess who didn't have to partake in it? Jordan. They what? gave him every single – you never saw Jordan. They would they would give Jordan every single call oh, while everybody else on the courts in a full – How many times get out of Bill and Beer and that crew no, just grabbed him and Jordan. threw him to the ground? You really show you remember the Jordan, yeah. the Jordan rules? The Jordan rules? Do you yeah, ever watch exactly. that? Exactly, the Jordan rules. In other words, there was one rule for Michael because he was of such value to the league and everybody else had to play by <laughs> the other. Now you're making stuff up. Jordan rules, they made him pay. And pay big time. And nah, he's, Jordan he was rules in, in, tar- in terms of favoritism. Yeah, let the guys bet. All right, continue. Is there anything going on out there uh, today? <laughs> it's a little bit of baseball, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Padres getting no hit again today? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Um, Indians got a home run from Francisco Lindor. They lead it in New York 1 nothing over the Yankees. Cubs and Cardinals are just underway. Uh, this ball game's in the bottom of the first inning. There's no score just yet. And then later on today, Red Sox and Rangers from Arlington. 
Angels and Mariners from Seattle as well. Halos eight games over 500, obviously in the hunt this season for the AL East, AL West crown. Anyways, in the NBA, got a couple teams that are in a rut right now. That includes the 76ers down 2-0 to the Boston Celtics. And the series ships back to Philadelphia. Games three and four. Game three is today at 5 o'clock Eastern. And the Cavaliers, stranglehold on the Raptors so far. They lay 2-0. Tip-off time is at 8.30 Eastern from Cleveland in the National Hockey League. There's two games today as well. Penguins and Capitals, that series tied at two up. Same thing with the Jets and Predators as the series shifts back to Nashville for game number five. All right, now the next time we uh, check in with you, David, I want you to do a little soul searching. Right? During the next hour. <laughs> what? I want you to do a little introspective. You haven't sold this. Oh, and, all right, I, need, I need a little soul hey, searching, hey, but we'll man. get back to Gascon. I mean, I, I, appreciate, your, I appreciate the effort, Stevie. But, uh, uh, all right. Um, we are coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. Right, let's talk about the Golden State Warriors. And by the way, let me also state this. I like dynasties. I'm a dynasty guy. And let's face it, if it weren't for the Herculean efforts of LeBron James, the Warriors should be well on their way to a fourth consecutive NBA championship. I think mentally the Warriors wore out that year because of the 73 wins. Oh, no Remember, question. they almost lost to Oklahoma City in the oh, round before they ended up losing to too. Cleveland. So um, the Warriors are just light years ahead and, of every other team was, in the league. Nobody realized not Kyrie. Uh, Steph Curry was hurt. Right. And so he's you still got hurt right now, which he's not looking that good. No, honestly. Curry's struggling. They got blown out by the Pelicans last night. It's not going to matter. They're going to beat Houston. By the way, how about Houston's win over uh, Utah at Utah? Well, they were, they were up by, what, 35? Look, look, crazy it was, score it was like right one there. of those things where Utah, like, they just showed up thinking that, Whatever happened in game two was automatically going to happen, regardless of their effort. Yeah. It was so funky. And it was, yeah, I mean, th- they were so pumped to have won in Houston that they never fully, like, refocused to, to face him at home. They thought it was, like, a foregone conclusion. They were just going to beat the, the Rockets at home. I mean, you can't do that against that no, caliber. Team. No, 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 no. All right. So let's get back to the Warriors right now. So you agree with me why we're even talking NBA playoffs is a fait accompli because the Warriors are going to win. I there, think they're going to win. There's, but no, uh, there's look, no scenario I don't, where they're going to lose. No, I don't. I look at them very vulnerable. Really? I look, I look at Steph Curry right now. He's got this knee issue. He does not have the same explosiveness, same quick twitch ability, same change of direction ability, or at least he doesn't have it mentally. And that then makes it to where defensively he's somewhat of a liability. He's not fully tuned in. There was a couple shots yesterday with Drew Holiday where him and Durant are supposed to be switching. On uh, you know those high pick and rolls, right. this was out on the wing, and Durant's expecting Curry on the switch to jump Drew Holiday or to stay with him. I, I don't remember if he's supposed to, you know, what he was doing, but Curry's like standing behind Durant. Drew Holiday gets this wide open three, switches it, and, and Durant turns around and Curry's like, "Bro, you got to jump out on that." And it's just and Curry's like, he yeah. knew it. And so I see it to where they're vulnerable, and it's going to take them tremendous amount of coming together and getting back to where they're on the same page. They only had like 22 assists as a team. They got to get that back to where they're 30. Because that's the thing is this team is literally based off of their chemistry. I don't care how talented they are. This team cannot win just by saying, all right, like the the Rockets. And I, I don't believe the Rockets can win this in, in, way either. Let's just all stand on the three-point line. We'll just let somebody go one-on-one and then kick it out. We'll shoot the three and, you know, we'll win that way. We And then every so often throw a couple lobs to Capella because his guy's helping on the driver. You you can't – that's not sustainable. You actually have to have some other kind of offenses 
outside of this, you know, driving and kicking or driving and throwing out the oops to the guy who's or the you know Capella's guy who's. So helping. in other words, you agree with me? The Warriors have no chance of losing. Oh, there's a big chance. Who you think Houston would beat them I in think, a game? Well, Houston, uh, by the way, will have home court advantage. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if that means much because all it takes is one game and it's right. done. But what I do see it as is that if the Warriors don't lock in, and if they don't get to where they're clicking, like we're used to seeing them click, they're very vulnerable. They're they are very beatable. Well, they're beatable because their be coach is uh, basically just standing there <laughs> doing nothing. Smug, He's awesome, Steve Kerr. Why not he's smug? I mean, I mean, well, you know, again, he's the one that admits smug. I don't even need to be coaching this team. Remember, but he had Draymond coach the game one time hey, and I'll all this you, kind of you stuff. You know what's crazy? What? Is, and this is nuts to think, considering the success Steve Kerr's had. But, I mean, I could see it if they don't get to the championship or win it, that he may just step down. Really? Because, well, he he's knows. got all these physical problems on well, top of everything Well, that's one thing, else. but he's already admitted that his message is becoming stale with his team, and that is tremendous because – if you can't, I mean, that's what Brad Stevens able to do Bill so well. Bill Jackson never seemed to get stale with his teams. Exactly. And that's what's made some of the best coaches so unbelievably successful is their message for some reason, whether it was all these little Jedi tricks they'd play with their guys or just they were just had this presence about well, them. Phil was the master of superstars. He knew how to handle Jordan, oh, yeah. Kobe, Shaq. He we knew how to handle like these mind guys. games with them that right. they liked to play because he, yes. he could sort of like yeah. press those competitive He'd hand juice him a book buttons. to read. He, he used to like to do that. I don't know what he did, but he, it he worked. Loved, he liked to hand books. And it the, lasted. See, I don't know if, if 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 Steve Kerr has that. And that's what I'm saying. Like if, And that's where I see another You team. said he was the greatest coach of all time. I still think that. <laughs> not, well, not even I mean, in the conversation. I, I'm, I'm just basing it off of how Brad he's Stevens, already won 52 you, games you have to say right now, Brad Stevens is a vastly superior coach to Steve Kerr. I can't say that. Wait, who's done more with because less over the last you, five years than Brad Stevens? Because here's the thing, Steve. You want to you want to you want to contextualize it as what is he doing with least amount of talent? Man, look at right. You know, in Steve other words, Kerr, he's as got a coach, all this talent. Who is Max? It's like your guy McCarthy, maybe the worst coach in the NFL. <laughs> um, no, it's it's worst a guy coach. that does the most goal. with. In other words, what you're trying to do as a coach is to max out. The talent on your team, right? What would I what would I tell you if I told you that dealing with superstars right and getting them to play together some of them to take a lesser role which Steph did after he came out he was came off the bench is by far more of a challenge than to get a bunch oh, of I agree with the coaching superstars is much more difficult I 100% then that would then that's why Phil Jackson that would is the greatest valid, of all time that only validate my argument with Steve Kerr that he's well, by no, far leap years ahead of anybody because he's dealing with well, the he's most not ahead of challenge. Phil Jackson well I mean it's just hard to say that well I, I'll say this how many I mean, he's won 52 playoff games by far. Phil quicker. Jackson won 11 NBA championships. You're, so you're talking longevity. I'm just talking like right if now? his career ended. And I mean, he's so not, if, if Brad I'm just Stevens talking this. Let me tell you this. Well, I don't believe Phil Jackson's ever coached at this level that Steve Kerr's at. And that's why I'm saying he's the best ever. If Brad Stevens were to win the NBA championship With the team that this he has? year. Oh, this, that would be, I, you couldn't, I mean, again, that debate against him not being the best ever. Right. Would be extremely difficult to form in your mind. No Kyrie Irving, no Gordon Hayward, oh, Tatum. Awesome. You know, no Isaiah Thomas. It's none so of that. unlikely. It's so unlikely. But I mean, I don't. But know, you have to admit the effort of that Celtic team. I love it. I I watch it. They're just as fun to watch as the war. They get to more me, out of more players. Oh yeah. Than any team. But I see when I watch the Warriors and when they are humming. Yeah. Like when they're when they're sort of like lax days like this last game. I have to turn it off. It's just. Hard battle. It's tough to watch, just to be completely honest. Mm-hmm. But when they're rolling and they are connected, it is literally one of the most beautiful things you'll ever see. 
Because, I mean, it's like they are all so connected, they can think three head of steps of each other. That's why, like, like, like when they're connected, Draymond will throw, like, a no-look pass, like a zipping fastball, like, right down the middle of the lane, right before it's like a quarterback on an outcut. Before the back cut, because he's already anticipating, like, right. either Steph or Clay or any, you know, or even Dray, uh, yeah. uh, Durant, like, back cutting instead of going out to the three-point line, and he catches it for a dunk. And it's just like, that's just unbelievable. I mean, that's Yeah, well, go, go back to film of the 1980s with Magic Johnson. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but it, but yeah, again, that was a, kind of but the difference then was you had a teams that would play together for years, yeah, you know, and so true. now everything is just you. You're and not plus, even thinking. guys, it's all their, instinctual, you know, and guys took their roles. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that's a at, big part of it, right at, there. Look at like Steph Curry, man. Yeah. For anybody to come up to him after he's been out and to say, "Hey, bro, yeah. we, we're going to play 20 minutes. We want you to come off the bench." Mm-hmm. And for him to be like, "Yeah, man, I'll come off the bench." Still scores, you know, his average, all kinds of. Yeah, unbelievable that is. Guys look at it like if I come off the bench, you have insulted me. You have basically devalued me as a person that I can't handle. I mean, any any player in history would have never even accepted that role. Is, I'm not playing. You'd have guys crying. Their whole team would have imploded. No, Steph Curry, man. Steph Curry was like, dude, let's do it, man. And he, and he had a great attitude. Obviously, he lit it up, and that game was a big catalyst helping him win game two because everybody else is in a lull from game one. But point being is – when that happens, it's special, and it's the same with the Celtics. When they're rolling, oh, they're just as fun to watch. All right. Uh, I will say this, though. There's no question. Oh, by the way, I will get into the whole uh, Charles Barkley backtracking his punch uh, Draymond Green in the face. We'll get to that a little bit later on. <laughs> uh, we're in the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Getting back to the NFL, one of the first-round pick quarterbacks is already drawing huge positive reviews and you, it's not who you think it is. We'll tell you who it is coming up next. Herman and Papinga. All right. You know, a lot of buzz out of the draft. All the talk about the quarterbacks. Is Baker Mayfield really deserving of being number one? Sam Darnold, is going to light up New York City? Josh Rosen, can he keep his feet on the ground there in Arizona? Is Josh Allen even a player? By the way, last week, speaking of Josh Allen, uh-huh. Uh, Vince Ferragamo. Do you know who Vince Ferragamo is? Oh, yeah. He's he was a quarterback the... with the Rams when they yeah. got to Super Bowl fourteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and Vince has been a good friend of mine. We did some TV work together, super guy. And uh, he continues to be a broadcaster in the Los Angeles area, talking about the Rams, his Ram legacy. Sunday night, I last Sunday night, he appeared on a local radio show talking about the draft. Okay. And he was asked, so of all these quarterbacks, man, uh, who – what do you think? And he goes, to be honest, I'm not really high on these quarterbacks. He goes, there's only one quarterback, one in this draft that has what it takes to be an outstanding quarterback in this league. Now, this is coming from a former NFL quarterback. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. And he said, there's Josh Allen, and that's it. Oh, boy. He's, Josh Allen is the only quarterback in this draft that has – and the and the interviewer was a little shocked because I I'm the interviewer's a guy I know. He knows sports. He's like, really, Josh Allen? He goes, let me tell you something. Josh Allen is the only quarterback in this draft that has any chance of making a mark in this league. Oh boy. Because he had he's the only guy that has the physical and mental tools to get it done. <laughs> All right? Mental, huh? Mental tools. Remember like, he did have the highest Wonderlick score by far he of any did. Of the quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, All right. True. So, okay, that aside, the one guy though that was uh Drafted in the first round that's getting the most buzz right now amongst the quarterbacks is the guy that was the final pick of the first round of the 2018 
NFL draft. That would be, uh-oh, Lamar Jackson is looking really good. John Harbaugh, as you know, the Ravens jumped all over to get Lamar Jackson with that pick, uh, acquiring that pick from the Eagles. And the first thing that John Harbaugh said, his coach, is, I had no idea he was this accurate <laughs> as a quarterback. He is something else. I mean, the guy, his accuracy, you know how it is in the draft. Everything gets dissected, and everybody wants to you know, talk about what are his weaknesses, what are his strengths, and you have to figure out something. I remember there was a quarterback at BYU who came out by the name of John Beck, and everybody, for some reason, throughout his college, his last year's college career, said his arm strength was weak. That he had, a, they 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 questioned his arm strength. And sure enough, he goes to the combine, he blows everybody away with his arm strength. You know, they do all those tests. Right. And the whole time, I said, "Who the frick is scouting this guy? Like, are you are they watching the film? Are they even like paying attention? You know?" And, and a lot of it, I do believe, comes to this epidemic, uh, like Alex Marvez says, to where teams start believing each other to the point that they'll hear somebody say, and it's leaked information because they hope the kid drops. Man, he's got accuracy issues. And it plants the seed to where you go watch the film and you see accuracy issues because that's what you've been told to see sure. when, in fact, it's not really accurate issues. And then he comes in and then he's like, actually, this guy's phenomenal. You know, and I mean, the same thing you look at a number of guys. I remember, you know, uh, even myself coming out. Everybody questioned my speed. Is it, are you fast enough? Ma Winston Moss, my linebacker's coach at the Packers, he interviewed me. He was with the Saints at the time. Are you going to run a 4-6, Brady? If you don't run a 4-6, you can't play in this league. And I looked at him like, is that? I mean, that's not true. I mean, there's so many guys that run slow right. at linebacker that play just fine. Zach Thomas is doing pretty good, as a matter of fact. He's probably be in the Hall of Fame. Point being is that, like, and I ended up running one of the fastest 40s and being one of the biggest, fastest guys in my class. And I was like, what film are you guys watching, man? Where are you getting this information? And I do believe this is what's going on with Lamar. He is accurate enough. This guy, he throws on the move as good as anybody you'll see. Well, Accuracy, I velocity, touch. He is the real deal. The only question is, is the situation he's going to go into, is it a real deal situation for him to where it's conducive to him being successful? Because if it's not, he will be a bust. But you can say that about every other guy. I, I love I, I, I love the fact that he goes to the Ravens. Because obviously the Ravens right now are at the crossroads with Joe Flacco. I mean, Flacco, after getting the big deal, he's had some injury problems. He hasn't lived up to that contract after his phenomenal Super Bowl. Remember, really, a, a phenomenal start to his career. Remember, he won at least one playoff game each of his first five years oh, yeah. uh, in the NFL. He hasn't been the same quarterback. No, it's interesting because Harbaugh said this. He goes, you read the reports and stuff like that, but he's a natural, not a naturally talented thrower. He goes, he's got natural arm talent. And, and again, getting back to the whole idea of having a strong arm. Think about this. How many throws in the NFL requires extra juice on the ball? There are circumstances like that. You always well, you think about the bread parts of the world. Stuff, you know, every but... once in a while, you're required to hit, you know, a little more juice on the ball to try to squeeze a pass yeah, in. Yeah, but most passes are what, 10 to 15 yards? Exactly. Reading a defense, a little timing route. You know what I mean? That's it's, all you have to this do. This isn't about how hard you can zip it into a little tiny window. Okay, again, if you had a big <laughs> fastball like a Brett Favre had, he would do that. He'd he almost challenge himself his, that he would yeah. try to, you know, sneak a pass in there when it's not there. Really, the more important decision is about decision. The more important thing is the decision-making a quarterback. All right, should I take the risk of trying to squeeze that pass in there, or is it better to just eat the play and move on? Well, that's where, you, that's where he – 
is special. Right. Because he gets in a situation where he's like, okay, I can either just stick it in there and force it, or I can buy time. Thank you. Because if I buy time, no cover corner, safety linebacker, after three or four seconds is going to be able to stay with their guy, which is only going to create more space, more windows, and and it also creates the threat of him just tucking and run. And so he overcomes his inability, let's say, if he has one, of sticking it in there like Favre with his ability to elongate the play. That's why one of the greatest quarterback whispers in the history of the NFL, Bill Walsh said, the number one trait he looks at in the quarterback, how he elongates the play. He didn't care about arm strength. He didn't care about his size. Just can this guy move enough to make the defense cover that much more longer? And if he can, we're in the good. Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Some teams know how to do it right, and some have no clue. We'll explain coming up next. Rolling on on this Saturday. Coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Easy to save 50% or more on your car insurance. Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. You know, I was watching the retirement of Jason Witten, yeah. and I, 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 I was thinking about some people know how to do it right, and some people have no clue. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to give you two polar opposite examples on how to wrap up a legendary career for a member of your football team. All, All right. right. Jason Witten played 15 years in the NFL. A third-round pick out of Tennessee. Not a whole lot was expected of him. He ends up as the fourth all-time leading receiver in NFL history. Uh, 11 Pro Bowls. And you can say this is a guy that really maxed out his talents. No question. He got the most out of what he had to forge a 15-year career. So, he had to make a decision. He was on the borderline as far as his future with the Cowboys, although he still had pretty productive numbers a year ago. He, I'm guaranteed he could still play. No question. But he got he got an offer to uh, be the color analyst for Monday Night Football, and he decided to take it. So he announces his retirement from the game. And there's Jerry Jones. There's Jason Garrett. You got Jason Witten, his wife. His kids are all there. They present him with this diamond-covered football. I mean, they really – did a job. Give, oh, yeah. Give the Cowboys. That's they, how he is. And, you know, whether. That's Jerry Jones to his, I mean, to he, his people, man. Like, if you're one of his guys. Right. Oh, all right. Let's, he will take care of you. And, I mean, I'm talking all of his guys. Scouting department guys, personnel guys. That's why you don't see, uh, for example, Judd uh, Garrett. That's right. Jason Garrett's brother. Right. People don't even know about this guy. He could literally walk into any facility and be a general manager or be in the talk. You never hear his name, do you? You will never hear, and it's because he likes his job, and it's because they treat him so well. He basically gives his input, then lets the Joneses, you know, he basically does the, all the, the the homework for the Joneses, then lets them just make their choice. They they actually fall him probably nine out of the ten times. They'll they'll go off the reservation every so often, just. But I mean, he's the guy. But you, again, you'll never hear him in conversations, and this just goes to show you that if you are one of Jerry's guys, obviously Jason Witt is. He is going to tout you, support you, and be with you everywhere because you did one thing for him. You delivered on making his brand a household name. Right. And he recognizes that. And I think right. that's, you know, that's one of the huge things about Jerry that, that builds that culture. To where, right. I mean, it's not the most successful when you talk you know, on the field, but it is for surely the most successful organization. No question. When you define it as who makes the most money. And it's not even close. And, and that's why I, I had no argument about Jerry Jones in the Hall of Fame. He's <laughs> yeah. been an incredibly valuable member 
of the NFL fraternity. All right. No question. So the Cowboys do all that for Jason Witten. Let's contrast okay. what the Chargers did to Antonio Gates. <laughs> Who, by the way, came into the league like the exact like same year as Jason Coach. Witten, played the exact same number of seasons exact with the Chargers, position. 15 years, two of the great tight ends in the history of the game, both ticketed for the Hall of Fame. So Antonio Gates gets the boot. And so the problem was is that he wants to continue his career. But let, let's 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 take this as we should have taken this, right? This is Antonio Gates. There's no question about his Hall of Fame status. We, I don't want to open up the doors on Phillip Rivers. But we know Gates is in the Hall of Fame. He has, by the way, touchdown receptions. Gates 114, Witten 68. Okay? So here's a future Hall of Famer, even if he does, he wants to continue his career. That does not prevent the Chargers from having a huge ceremony to celebrate 15 years that he's been with the organization where they have a similar press conference. Hey, he's no longer one of us, but you'll always be one of us. Whether you want to extend your career, that's up to you. We don't care. We want to thank you for 15 years that you've been a Charger, a mainstay on this team, a future Hall of Famer, hand him some kind of – they just cut him. Not even no no press wow. nothing. It's like see you later. They go to Philip Rivers. He played fifteen <laughs> years with this guy, and he, and Philip's like, you know, wow, it's really going to miss this. Where is he? I mean, are you kidding me? Well, Antonio they were on good Gates, terms anywhere, were they? That's, again, this they were sort this, of this is this is disconnected. This is the disconnect. This is when when you have one organization that understands how to do it right. Yeah. When when you're a when you're a football player. And you have dedicated – I you know, look, I work for the Raider organization. You know what Al Davis used to do with his great veterans? He would carry them for an extra year. He would put them on the IR so that they could get another year's pay, sometimes two years on IR, so they can get paid for a couple more years even though they had no game left. As a thank you yeah. for what you've done for the organization. Huge. If you're the Chargers and you can't thank Antonio Gates – got a problem. You really got a problem. Well, and and, and by the way, too. if I'm a player, these are the exactly. things players recognize. Oh, of course. Where do I want to go? Where am I going to be appreciated? I'm putting my my physical being on the line for this organization. Where well, do I you want look to at Eric go? Weddle. I mean, Eric Weddle was, oh. I mean, I would say he was an all-time guy with the Chargers, and he's turned off by him. I mean, he has nothing. Well, one, he doesn't want anything to do with the Chargers, which is Total disrespect. Yeah, I mean, to me, and that's what I loved about the LT, Packers. LT, remember what they did to LaDainian Tomlinson? What, they didn't? They cut him. Oh, they didn't give him any kind of ceremonial? No. Wow. They, they, well, they, I mean, they sort of are now with his his kind of, you know, reach. You oh, know, no, like now that, yeah. Public so relations. Brought, yeah, exactly. It's but amazing my, that See, worked. with the Packers, when they cut me, they're like, hey, man, once a Packer, always a Packer. Yeah. You know, and they tell that to every guy that comes through there that has significant time there, that contributes, and, and that kind of stuff. You always feel loyal to the team, and you feel a connection to the team. But you're right. In San Diego, you could just tell by when guys leave, it is a bitter separation. It isn't like, hey, man, amicable, awesome time here. It was great. No. And that's bad because it's culturally going to trickle down to the guys that are currently there going, dude, these guys. Yes. They don't give a rat's about us. If they don't care about us, we don't care about them. The Raiders took care of players. That's why so many players back in the day wanted wanted to be Raiders. Because they knew they would be taken care of. Yep. And it's not about financial. Everyone is going to make money here. It's not about that. It's about respect. 
that we recognize you're putting your life on the line essentially for us. That's true. And uh, now getting back to whole, the whole Witten thing, I saw where Tony Gonzalez said Jason Witten's a first ballot Hall of Famer. He will not be. And, and look at Tony Gonzalez. This is there's only eight tight ends Gonzalez. in the Hall of Fame. Eight. Gonzalez. And Tony Gonzalez next year, this coming year, will become the first tight end ever to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Think about it. Dicka, John Mackey, Dave Casper, Jackie Smith, uh, let's see, uh, Charlie Sanders, Kellen Winslow, Ozzie Newsom, and Shannon Sharp. Those are the eight tight ends in the Hall of Fame. This is what I say about Jason Winton. From a receiver standpoint, there's no doubt Gates is a much better receiver than Jason Witten. What Witten was was really a throwback because, oh, yeah. yeah, he was a competent receiver. He had a lot of short passes thrown his way, but he actually blocked. Now, you went up against Jason Witten. Yeah, he was the consummate tight end where you could put him in line and he would be fantastic holding his own, setting the edge, or at least, you know, discouraging the defender to set the edge. How and rare is that amongst tight ends that are also real. receivers? Yeah, well, they all come from receivers. And even Jason Witten came from a receiver's background. Right. That's what he was in Tennessee. And generally speaking, when you come from that background, you don't want to block. You just want to be like a Jimmy Graham. Put me out in the slot. Right. I'll be the bigger body against the linebackers and the safeties, and I'll be good there. Ozzie Newsom, by the that way, was Jason a Witt. wide receiver at the University of Alabama that they moved in to become a tight end. Kellen Winslow was the same way. I mean, these yeah, are receivers. The yeah, they they're receivers, blockers. but but they they don't they usually didn't have the willingness because it's it's tough. It's not yeah. easy to have a big guy stick his chin or his his forehead right right up in your chin and throw you to the ground. And then, you know, then they, they split you out and you play wide receiver. But, yeah, I mean, he did it all. You know, and the thing that was most impressive about him, you talk about his ability, was he not he wasn't very fast. Mm-hmm. He really wasn't even that quick, Jason yeah. Witten. But what he did tremendously was he made every single one of his routes look exactly the same. The out route, the in route, and uh, taking it up the seam. So every single time when you're running, you're like a step behind him because you don't know if he's all of a sudden going to stop and go out or go in and, and he he was so good at not telegraphing his routes to where he could gain separation, and also he had this innate feeling of where the, the the weak spots, the little pockets in the zones were that he would sit into. And he, like I said, he would do it in a way to where you couldn't even read that beforehand. Oh, he knows where he's going. He'll sort of set himself up. You know, if he's going to go in, it'll just sort of just look like he's going out. And then all of a sudden, pop in, and boom, he'll create somewhat of a space. It was so savvy of him. That's why he could still today continue to play at a high level because his game wasn't based off of physical attributes no, no. that slowly fade away with time. It was based off of feel and instinct, and it didn't really matter how quick or fast he was because he he was able to mentally be always one step ahead of the defense. By the way, uh, if you're noticing with Witten's hiring for Monday Night Football, let me see. Number one analyst on CBS is Tony Romo. <laughs> Number one analyst on Fox is Troy Aikman, and now the number one analyst on ESPN is Jason Witten. What do they all have in common? Well, the, the Cowboys, I think of Chris Collinsworth. Did he have anything to do with the Cowboys? No, he's the only one left. He's the MEC. <laughs> he was the he's Bengals. He's the only, yes. But they're trying to figure, I'm sure, how to get a Cowboy in. I mean, really, when you think about this, you, you said it before. Look, the Cowboys haven't won a Super Bowl in forever, but they are the not only the most successful organization in the, the NFL, team. The most watched team. Oh my god! And so when you get a cowboy in that seat, Ooh. that's a smart play. It is a smart play because technically you don't you don't bring in a color analyst to attract the audience. Mm-hmm. You bring it in to help the audience enjoy the experience that much more. Right. But they're also hoping with these guys that they do attract the audience. That they'll watch. That they'll track. You know what? 
I don't know how many, maybe a million of those fans. Smart just, play. All right, I'm with you. I, I mean, it's it's tremendously smart on their end, and they're good. I mean, you can't say Troy Aikman and well, we don't Trevor know Whitney's ever done anything yet. I mean, I, hey, he knows football. He's going to be able. He's going to give a football perspective. I yep. don't know, you know, his personality isn't the most. Uh, no, he's dry. colorful. He's very dry, but sometimes it's fun when you're hearing. Just well, they're football talking talk. about maybe a third person in the booth. Uh, Booger McFarlane is one guy they're talking about. Oh, there you go. I mean, they're they're thinking about well, a third I'm guy. Sure, in the maybe booth. somebody to lighten it up a little. Bit. A little bit. A little bit. He is very serious, right? But uh, but again, he's very insightful. He's a lot like Tony Romo. Yep. I don't know if he's going to have the same kind of uh, – And remember, he's going to be doing the games with Joe Tessitore, who I think is very good. Uh, he's never yeah. done an NFL game. No, but he's college like, games Well, no fantastic. NFL experience. How about when they started Monday Night Football? Keith Jackson, the first-year announcer before they brought in Giver, wow. had never announced an NFL game. <laughs> Ocell, he had never done – Yeah, but Don <laughs> Meredith, he had never done anything. That seemed to work. All right, we're in the uh, Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. A very dear friend of Brady Papinga is about to get – insanely wealthy. How rich? We're going to tell you coming up next. Harman and Papinga. Hey, we're coming live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Money, 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 money. Hey, um, certain quarterback in Atlanta just got a uh, big contract, and we knew it was coming. So Matt Ryan signs a deal that is now the new guy that is at the top of the pyramid. This has been handed off, I think, seven times now in the last year and a half on who's the highest paid player. So he will make a $30 million salary. Per year, uh, right? Well, not per year, but at, 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 one, at one point he will get a $30 million salary. I say But that, it averages $30 million over. Well, not quite. He actually, there was a, a further breakdown of his oh, contract. Okay. What, what's the total overall? I think it was 162 million over how many years? And uh, five or six years. Yeah. Oh, it has to be five years, right? And so about that is 30 million over. All right. 30. So, in wow. other words, and by the way, just just a sidetrack for a second here on Matt Ryan. Yeah. So two years ago, Matt Ryan has a career year, and when I say career year, what I'm saying is he had a year that was so far and away better than anything he's ever done. That's the definition of a career year. Not only was he the league's MVP, his passer rating of 117, he's never had any other year in his career at 100. And Hmm. he obviously led his team to what should have been a Super Bowl win, but they ran out of gas, and Tom Brady led the amazing comeback. So (laughs) last year, his numbers were the worst of his career, or at least since his rookie year. But he still gets rewarded with now the richest contract ever for an NFL player. Do you believe Matt Ryan, just staying with Matt Ryan, Okay, was two years ago an aberration? Because when you look at what he did last year, it was pretty much in line with what he did for most of his career, which was good, but nowhere near what he did two years ago. Well, I don't look at it more like an aberration versus, you know, can he sustain it? It was me uh, to me more of a function of the scheme. Yes, Shanahan, thank you, know, you. The guys around him. So I mean, if they can create that same kind of supporting cast, which now is going to be tough. It's tough. They're going to. I mean, let's say the cap goes up to two hundred million a year for the next two to three years. Mm-hmm. He's eating up fifteen percent of the cap. Yes, and again, there hasn't been a quarterback in the last ten or a player in the last ten to twelve years that have occupied more than ten percent of the cap space that has been part of a Super Bowl winning team. So what you're basically telling now is 
he so what you're basically yeah what you're basically doing is you're saying okay we're gonna pay you like you, the guy that you were when you had that awesome supporting cast but without the financial means and the cap space to be able to give you that supporting cast and I don't even know if they look at it that way I almost think they look at it like it's a it's a big PR nightmare it, you know what are we gonna do go look for another quarterback look you as an organization and this is you know I don't know how long it's gonna take. But there has to come a point to where, as an organization, you have to look at these trending stats that are pretty absolute, and you have to make a business decision and say, hey, we're going to willing to let a guy walk to let him just make crazy amounts of money with another team so that we can get our books straight so we can build a contending team. Or we talked to him about, you know, taking a, taking a lesser deal, understanding what the you know ramifications and the results are of taking up so much cap space. All right, so let's get to your guy, Aaron Rodgers. What does this mean? So speculation is now pretty much figured out where they can max out for Aaron Rodgers. So, again, the six-year, $169 million deal that was just signed by Matt Ryan, where will it go? Now, this is the best guess, all right? Okay. Rodgers will get a six-year, $180 million contract with at least... Who said that? Six years. Six years, $180 million. The, the max you can do is five. Six NFL, year, well, first of all... Who's saying this? That's wrong. The max that you can do on a deal is five years. That's in the end. Matt the Ryan just signed a six-year deal. Maybe it's six, then. Okay, yeah. it might be six, then. Yeah. I'm, I'm wrong. All right. All right. Now, I, again, it might be a six-year deal where... You have a current deal, and you're extending the deal oh, five more years. Oh, That's what I'm oh, saying. Oh, In other oh, words, oh, when yeah, I say yeah, yeah. six years, it's you're already under. See, Ryan's under contract. So is Rodgers. Yeah, you can only add five. Like, it's the max exactly. deal you can do of a new deal right. is five. Yeah, yeah, we're not talking about six years beyond. The, we're talking about starting today. I got you. Right? I got you. Okay. I got you. So, Rodgers would get a six-year, $180 million deal in which at least – 108 million fully guaranteed at signing. At least 108 million. So he would be getting 138 million over four years on top of what he's already earning, which is an average instead of $30 million. That's an average of $34.5 million per in what they're calling new money. Yeah. So that's not from his existing yeah. deal, but on top of that. So that'd be he'd be occupying again if we're operating. It comes out to about seventeen percent, which is just again, it's never been done. A team, uh, the last guy, the guy that's occupied the most cap space that we know about at the Winter Super Bowl was Steve Young. His deal occupied thirteen percent of the cap. Space. So what's important, Aaron Rodgers? Well, to me, it's more. Why doesn't he do deeper. what Tom Brady's it's, been doing well, for years and taking deeper. less and less and it's less? It's deeper and than less. that. It's does he have? Because as a team, this is where where I'm going with it. As a team, you can't be so scared to offend a guy like we're seeing with the. You know, I mean, the Steelers didn't feel that way. I obviously. understand that, but if this is but listen to me, look, I know he's got leverage. The question you, is, why use it if it's going to cripple your team? Well, that's well, doesn't he want to win? A I Super don't know Bowl? if he knows this though. I don't even. That's he doesn't my whole point. know this. I don't know. I don't I know. Think if Aaron Rodgers has been around long enough to understand. I can't assume anything, and that's why I'm saying it from a team standpoint. They have, and this is where I believe the teams have to do. They have to sit down with the representatives and lay it out before them. Say, look, this is how our financial structure is right now. We need to have the ability to get your guy pieces, a supporting cast so we can contend and win championships. 
for us to be able to do that, we have to allocate X amount of the cap to do that. If not, then we are now having to draft and hopefully hitting on guys that are on their rookie deals, right. which, as you know, is going to set us back. And what has to be communicated in this meeting is the idea of intrinsic value, which is different than hard dollars. What intrinsic value is or intrinsic dollars is it's money that or value that you earn that doesn't come in the form of your paycheck. It comes in the form of you're a Super Bowl winning quarterback. All of a sudden, we want your likeness everywhere, and we're going to pay you Aaron endorsement does deals. does a lot of national and endorsement so deals. What you have to sell is you have to say, hey, we need this amount to allocate for supporting cast for Aaron that we feel gives Aaron the best chance to win a Super Bowl. And if he does that, that then opens up doors off the field, and then they have to talk about what is that for you guys. All if right, you get I, this deal, I'm always reminded. Get deal, does this compensate for him taking yeah. up? And it would. And that's and my approach is is if you can connect the dots from a team standpoint yeah. and share with them that the off-the-field earnings based off of on-the-field success because you've been able to take a discount will far exceed the money you gave up, then you are, as a team, going to be able to pull off a deal like a Tom Brady deal that keeps your team relevant. If not, it's going to be like the Saints. You're going to pay Aaron a bunch of money, and you're going to go into obscurity unless what happened to the Saints last year? They hit on two awesome rookies. If they didn't hit on those rookies, right. they are not relevant. No, they and haven't so, been relevant for several years. All right, I always the Packers are running. Let I me mean, go it's, back. It's a tightrope to All walk right. because, again, you, Aaron thinks he's worth this, which he is. I remember. Market calls for it, but – at the end of the day, what do you want? When LeBron James went to the Miami Heat and accepted the fact that he would make the same money as Chris Bosh. Same money. Bosh, Wade, yeah. and they had the exact same salary. He took less. He wasn't even the top 20 paid players in the league. Yeah. And I had Kobe Bryant on the show. Kobe at the time was, you know, demanding to be the highest paid player. I go, Kobe, have you ever thought about taking less? So that the team could build more pieces around you. He jumped in immediately. He goes, that's not my problem. Kobe. <laughs> he and always, really he wanted to be the highest paid player. But it's really I not get, their problem. Right, it's it's not their problem. And again, he's got all the leverage. The question is, will he use it? All right. Well, we're in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios because this is going to lead us to the next question. Uh, but let's bring on David Gascon, who apparently has come to his senses and agrees that LeBron's the greatest of all time. <laughs> I gave you that You're extra so hour to put finally put words the go on the mouth. right. Well, I haven't. I'm, I'm assuming he's going that direction. No, ah. I mean, despite the fact that it is Cinco de Mayo, I have not drank your wow. dirty tequila today, <laughs> Mr. Hartman. Yes. But um, you will later. That's a good play on the Cinco de Mayo. I, like I, that. I will say, and I, I will correct one thing, and it goes to Brady on this. It, it is a five-year extension, so it's not a six-year contract. For right, Matt well, Ryan. We, we clarified that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah. you're the technical guy, Hartman. You got all your, your, your right. eyes dotted <laughs> and your hair nicely parted. Yeah. and <laughs> Even under his hat, it's perfect. It yeah. is. It never I wear leaves. my NFL cap on Saturday. It's the only day I wear a cap. I love it. It's perfect. <laughs> I need to get you some new attire for the fall. Do not do that. Why not? Oh, yeah, never, never. You never. dress just like my dad does every damn day. I it's see okay. you. It's That's okay. That's exactly. Man. I give you the same <laughs> look every single time. Yeah, we need that. I, I'm Good. at the point in my life I prioritize, and how I'm dressed is not when I get on TV. I got to put a suit on. That is it. Ugh. All right. God, how old are those suits? Yeah. Let, let me call you. Call me in 25 years, and we'll see how you're uh, how you're dressed. I hope right? I'm alive. Yeah, we'll be fine. <laughs> 
You'll be thriving. Guys, in Major League Baseball, a couple games that are going on right now. Yankees are doubling up the Indians 4-2 in that affair. Cubbies on top of the Cardinals 4-0. Ben Zobrist, he's got an RBI in this one. He's 2-for-2. Anthony Rizzo, 1-for-2 with an RBI as well. Later on today on FS1, Tigers and Royals. First pitch is at 4-15 Eastern. The nightcap on FS1, Dodgers and Padres from Mexico. And switching on over to the NBA, two games today. One of them is tipping off at about 90 minutes from now. 76 is trying to avoid a 0-3 start against the Celtics. The series is back in Philadelphia. Tip-off time again at 5 o'clock Eastern. And the nightcap in that one, Cavaliers and Raptors. Cleveland leads that series two games to love. Very good. Appreciate that and appreciate your comments on my attire. What's, you don't like my Pac-12 shirt that I've worn for 300 consecutive Saturdays well, listen, here at Fox Sports every Radio. Every time, every time <laughs> I shake true. your hand and pat you on the back, like dust comes off the back of your shirt. <laughs> I know. It's like a relic. It's like Indiana Jones, You're the Temple of Doom. Just... As long as the buttons are still attached, I will continue <laughs> to wear this shirt. All right? All right. Hey, we're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 50 minutes could save you 15% or more on your car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. All right, so as far as Aaron Rodgers making that decision, on what's best for the rest of his career, whether he wants to be the highest-paid quarterback, highest-paid player in the National Football League. I just gave you the numbers. It would take up 17% of the cap space, and that's not good. However, then (laughs) – Well, it's not good. It's just historically that's never – you're asking for Well, Aaron Rodgers Rodgers obviously is of the mindset, we'll do a better job of bringing in players. I mean, if I were calling this, I'm surprised Aaron Rodgers wasn't the sole man in the Look, draft room for the Green Bay Packers. But you brought up that deal about Kobe, and that's really should be the mentality of Aaron's. Look, it's not my fault that you guys, right? You know, need this, need that. But that's like what I'm, what I'm saying is, is this is where communication skills mm-hmm. have to come in from the organization. Who standpoint. in the organization is now communicating listen, with Aaron Rodgers? It's the it's the general manager, Brian Gunkekorst. I don't even know. Do you even know who this guy is? Yeah, yeah. I've been around him a while. Well, what was the communication like with Ted Thompson and him? Very minimal. Ted is not a communicative guy. Okay. You know, and that's that's hard for some people. It also worked to his advantage. But this is where, like, when you're talking about bringing Aaron in and having to be a little bit more part of the operations, and not that you're saying, okay, run the program, but let's be a little bit more connected. You know, so it's not like you're blindsiding your guy all the time, and also you're getting some of his input, which you should. He's he's usually he's the most important. But what of Aaron's response is, give me my money and do a better job of bringing better players in. Well, then you have to rethink things as an organization. You have to think, okay, what's the lesser of the two evils? Do we play hardball with our superstar legend, who everybody loves and is adored to, and right. basically we're shunned if if we if he all of a sudden leaves and we don't get a, a good alternative, which we don't know, we're gonna, we're not going to find another Aaron Rodgers. Uh, what's going to happen to us versus at least taking a shot to try to communicate to him, you know, how this whole structure has to work for us to compete. Or if it doesn't, we're going to struggle, but yet at the same time, fulfilling his demands. And so it's a, it's like I said, it's a tightrope walk because you got to be able to have enough there to get him a surrounding cast, but then also keep him happy. So, it's down to communication and you got to sit down and you got to have his agent there and you got to talk to Aaron in a very, you know, uh, clear manner, and you got to talk to him like he's part of the whole entire process. Because guess what? He's still got – doesn't he have two years left on his deal? Yeah, he yeah. does. So there's still time. He's not going anywhere anytime soon. So you got two years, two years for you and him to talk this out and for him to – like we were hoping yeah, – but you don't want to leave it down to that last year. Uh, why not? You got the franchise tag. 
You're going to franchise tag Aaron Rodgers? What is he going to do? Wow. All right, I want to bring That's, up another guy right now. I'm not saying I, you, you get, you're not hoping it gets that. I'm did, just saying did you, did, did, you did, got protection. Did you hear the interview Jim Gray just did with uh, his buddy Tom Brady? Yeah, yeah, I heard it. When when Jim now under, you have to understand and and Jim Gray has has been a friend of mine for many 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 years. All right, so one thing I know about his dynamic with Tom Brady and why they're close friends is because Jim's a hard guy. I mean he he'll he'll ask tough questions, so he'll he'll go to Tom at a trust as a friend and say, look. Uh-huh. I want to ask you about your relationship with Belichick and Kraft. Is that okay? And if Brady gives it the, please, do ask me, there's a reason. Because Brady is very discreet on how he wants to get information out. Do we have this sound? All right. Do we have the sound? Do we have this uh, Jim Gray, Tom Brady interview? Do you have that anywhere in the system? If you don't, I can explain it. All right. Because this was very revealing all right, you do have it. All right, here was uh, Jim Gray. This was at some event, uh, and he's interviewing Tom Brady. Do you feel appreciated by them, and do they have the appropriate gratitude for what you have achieved? I plead the fifth. <laughs> All right, stop right there. All right, so in other words, so, I mean, that wasn't just by chance. In other words, he knows the question is coming, and he knows the answer he's going to give. All right, so if you're... Bob Kraft and Bill Belichick, and you—he's been asked directly. Do you feel appreciated by these two men? And I plead the fifth. What do you think the next step is for Tom Brady now, as as he watches maybe a, a thirty-four and a half million dollars? Is Tom Brady now at the point where he's going to say, you know what? After eight Super Bowl runs, five Super Bowl championships, now it's my turn to be selfish and say, pay me. You, know you feel what, though, like that's coming up next? I don't because I, I – Tom Why Brady, did he say what he just said, by the way? Because he's being honest. And here's the thing. You're hearing it from Tom Brady. You're hearing it from Gronk. And uh, you hear it from Edelman when he left – or, excuse me, Amendola when he right. left to go to the, the, the Dolphins. They're getting sick of Bill Belichick and sort of how he suppresses people. Right. They're getting sick of that, and they're being very vo- – they're voicing it. You know, obviously, Amendola can't because he's no longer with the Patriots. Brady knows his situation. I got the leverage, and Gronkowski's like, dude, I don't care if I play or I'm riding motorbikes, right. man. I'm just living life, and exactly. I got my money, yeah. so whatever. But this is you Tom know? Brady. Yeah, and so the, I, I, I think it, for so long, they've, they've said the company line, and they've done all that stuff, and it's just come down to, you know what, I'm, I'm over it. So Tom Brady can say one thing, but he's still going to buckle and, and adhere to all their demands for the well, rest I, of his career no, there? I don't see that. Or is I he going to finally step up and say, enough's enough. Pay me $40 million a year uh, now. I mean, he could. Of course There's he could. I like that. He's the king of the mountain. Brady but I, I would say what he will do is he understands the impact on the team. And the impact on the team is simply if I go and I go after my own, I risk or we risk compromising our potential so what contend. does he want then? If if he's he pleading the fifth by pleading the fifth, what he's saying is no, I'm not getting the proper recognition I deserve. That's what he's saying. I don't, I won't say it. I'm pleading the fifth. But what he basically said is, and he's by the way, it wasn't just Belichick. Kraft is included in this as well. See, a lot of people think that Kraft's on his side, not according to that statement. So what is it that Tom Brady wants from Bob Kraft and Bill Belichick? What does he want? Does he want them? Does he want Bill Belichick to come out and publicly say that we would not have won a single championship without Tom Brady as our quarterback? Because he's never no, going to say that. Care about that? I think what he means appreciated. 
I mean, how? He's the, he's the whipping boy. You got to remember that. Tom Brady, that's what makes him so Well, maybe he's tired of being so the whipping boy. You know, exactly. He, he also in this interview, I would, I do he, believe said he, wants he said to that he was going more of a bone. He, I, I do believe that. It was funny because in this interview, he also talked about that he has no plans to retire. He's got two more years at least. And he said he got permission from his wife to play at least a couple more years. I got a nice little laugh and everything else. <laughs> but I'm, I, you know Giselle has had enough. Oh, yeah. Of disrespecting of her husband. Well, I don't think it's disrespecting. I, I would say it's just the game. His no, husband, no, no, no. She's away. Had, he's she's looking, into it. She ripped Welker. I mean, she's ripped every play. Yeah, she, that's just she's made it clear win, that, that's not, that the world does not appreciate her husband. No, it has nothing to do with that. Oh, it doesn't? Has, no, it has nothing to do with appreciation. With it's not, That's not about Tom Brady. Tom Brady's about the team. But it's like, you know what? It's then time why did to he start just calling. do that? Why did he just do that? Because he's line? being bluntly honest. That's he's not just an saying, honest I don't that's feel avoiding like, the honest answer. But he's he's basically saying, like, I don't feel like, you know, well, I am what do being you want? appreciated. Well, fine. What if Bill Belichick called him? What do you want? Not that Bill Belichick has to call him and be like, I love you, Tom. You're such a wonderful player. Appreciate all you've done. It's more of an effect of, you know what? When we're in a team setting, like, don't sit there and keep throwing me under the bus. And saying, "Hey, Tom Brady, this guy," because he does a low life film of every right. single one of his dudes, and yeah, you know, and you know, Tom Brady's on the receiving end of that, and he's he's the guy that Bill Belichick uses as he's the example of, you know, what if you don't go out and make a play? Well, we're well let me ask you this: Let's say they get into a, you know, they're getting in another quarterback meeting, and Belichick's in there, and he's ripping away like he has for eighteen years, and in that meeting, Brady says, "Enough." He won't. So it'll come down. It'll be like this. It'd be the situation. It'd be like, let's say you get him in there and you won a game. You went out. You let's say he went out and had a, he struggled the first half, second half, gets it together, wins, yeah. and, and leads a game winning drive. And all Belichick can do is focus on the first half where he sucked or whatever. You know, I could see you know Tom Brady pipe and say, "Come on, Bill, we go out, we we put it together in the second half, we you know lead a game winning drive and we win the game." Let's let's focus on. I could see him like responding that way. And Belichick's response is just stay in your lane. All right, <laughs> well, I'm the coach yeah, of this no, team. Probably stay in your lane. No, I don't think you would talk to him that way. I think he would actually listen to him. And that, and that's, really, after yeah. all these years, he's going to change. Well, this is what it's not. He's got to. He's got to evolve, man. This isn't a deal it, where you, you can have to admit stay this. In this upcoming season, with everything that's been going down over the last year, is going to be one of the, your more interesting. It seasons. will be fun with Josh McDaniels doing a 180 and coming back to the organization. That's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. How do you think one one guy that he so awesome. how much if, if if Tom Brady right now, who do you respect more in the organization? Bob Kraft, Bill Belichick, or Josh McDaniels? Who do you think he'd say right now? Josh McDaniels. Agree. <laughs> he loves Josh. So McDaniels. how's that gonna work? As far as Belichick's concerned. Is he just gonna completely stay away from him a hundred percent now? Stay away from Tom Brady? Stay away from Tom that Brady. Never happen. No, everything like this is what I understand their, their relationship to be. It's not a petty relationship. And what that means that is sounded that, pretty petty to me with pleading the fifth. No, that's not petty. What that is well, what is sending is an it? indirect message to Bill saying, "Dude, you know what? I'm sort of sick of being the whipping boy." I'm pretty well, much. It, that's not petty. No, it's what's petty to me is is you don't talk to each other. You don't operate as coworkers. You go. You just. You, you just. You act like you know. You you give each other the silent treatment. That to me is like the most petty thing ever. It's like, dude, you got a job to be done, and that's Bill Check. Bill Check's like, look, we got a job. Let's get it done. Here, we got to sit down. We got to collaborate about the game plan, and they do that. And, and you know this kind of stuff that they talk about. I don't know if Bill Belichick's the kind to to really talk about it. 
I, w- I could imagine him being one of those guys that has a hard time having heart-to-heart conversations with people. You think Belichick so, could ever find a quarterback? If he were to go elsewhere, do you think he would ever find another quarterback that would play along with his games no. the way Brady did? Especially this era. No did chance, you Josh right? Rosen. Can you imagine? Being the whipping boy. <laughs> uh, we're in the Geico Even Fox Sports Radio studios. Oh, that's I, I, terrible. Absolutely. I'm, all right. We, we find ways to wrap things up coming up next. Progressive's new Home Quote Explorer was built to save you time and money by allowing you to compare multiple quote options all online. So head to Progressive.com today and see if you can save. Harbin and Papinga, brought to you by Granger. Products and services you need when you need them. Granger's got your back to help keep your facility running. Granger for the ones who get it done. I have always thought that there is no human being that eats faster than me. I've been criticized my entire <laughs> life that nobody eats as fast as you do. And I just witnessed I some of the there. fastest eating <laughs> I have ever seen in my life. By well, let Brady me tell you where it comes from. That was heavy too. I walked that in. That was, there was some base to that. Yeah. Well, there was a nice big chunk of salmon in there right. with a really nice chunk of fresh cooked, probably r- rare ahi tuna, excuse me. Right. As I'm digesting mm. my food. And I'll tell you what, the reason why I eat so fast is because it's Growing up, my dad's a big guy. Right. And I have two other brothers. And if you did not eat fast, you would never get seconds. Exactly. Right. It was gone. Yeah. So I would inhale my food so I can get another plate really quick before my brothers could, and then I was good. Or else, I, you know, I'd been playing like defensive back. Why now you're a Super Bowl career? champion because of it. <laughs> yeah, and I was a linebacker. Yeah. So there you go. So if we ever actually had dinner together, it would be the quickest meal ever. It's like well, we that's sit my down, wife eat, always complains about that. Oh, I'm, I'm, She's I, like, I hate going out to eat with you. All you do is you get your food, you scarf it down, right. and then you're ready to leave. And I'm like, well, okay. Well, I better, you're I better there to try eat. to slow that one down. Uh, by the way, today is the Kentucky Derby, and history could be made. <laughs> uh, Bob Afford has a horse, and of course he has seemingly a horse in every year of the Derby. But Bob Baffert has a horse named Justify, who is the favorite to win the Kentucky Derby. And if Justify does win the Derby, (laughs) Justify will be the first horse to win the Derby since 1882 to do something. Now think about that. What could it possibly be that this horse, Justify, if wins the Derby, will be the first horse since 1882 to win the Derby to have done something? And that is... This horse, Justify, remember these are three-year-olds. Sure. Justify did not race once as a two-year-old. Not once. Not one single race as a two-year-old to try to win the Derby as a three-year-old. The last horse to do that was Apollo back in 1882. Uh, By the way, the last five years in a row, the favorite to win the Derby has won the Derby which is complete reversal from the previous about 20 years there was a long run where the where the favorite never won the derby and part of the reason was the derby always has the biggest field they'll max out the 20 horses and when you got that many horses out on the track it's easy to get sort of caught up in all the uh, sure. traffic and many of the uh, horses back in the day a lot of favorites went by the wayside but uh, keep our eye on justified today at the derby is have you ever been compelled to go to the Kentucky Derby. Never been, but uh, you know, I got I see my friends there all the time dressed in their cool little suits and yes, bow ties. Sure. I'm not into that kind of stuff. To me, let's would go your to wife the beach. wear the your wife would be one of those sure, to wear the dress sure. and the hat and if everything my, else? I would do it for my wife. Yeah. She likes that kind of stuff. For me, I'm cool, man. I'd rather go to the beach, go boogie boarding, right, or right. let's go mountain biking mm-hmm. or 
you know, let's go do something a little more action-packed, you know? Well, I mean, wait a second. Now, I, I know this. You, you've been married a long time. 16 been, years. Yeah. yeah, you've been with your wife a long time. Yeah. Uh, you've had to make a few concessions along the way. Oh, a lot. A lot of concessions. Well, it started off on our wedding night. My <laughs> wedding right. night, I don't know if you guys knew the story, but I went to this Russian spa my wife brought me to Yeah. to get what I thought just my chest waxed. So I get my chest waxed. I'm in the shock state. All of a sudden, this lady starts messing with my eyebrows. She's waxing my eyebrows, plucking those. Then all of a sudden, she puts these things under my eyelashes, and she's darkening my eyelashes. I'm like, what the frick's going on? I'm swiping her <laughs> hand away. The lady in Russian tells me, if all of my clients were like you, I would quit this job. And so all of a sudden, I get up, and I look in the mirror, and I look like I have all this <laughs> eyeliner on. And I want, this is the best. And I walk out to the front. And this lady sitting there, she's like, oh, wow, you look so good. Are you are you going to a model shoot? And I look in the mirror, I freaking feel like I'm a transvestite. <laughs> and I'm like, this is unbelievable. I can't. And I freak out. My wife's laughing. And it turned out okay. You look at our wedding photos, you'll see my eyes are a little bit like the hair really? around are darker. This was before your wedding? The night before, man. The night so before your wedding? So that set the tone of the concessions, buddy. Wow. You got to sometimes just sit there I, submissive and off, let him. I, yeah, just say, okay, whatever. If you want to do well, that, let me there get we this go. Straight. This is the night before your wedding, and, and she's like, how did she sell you on this idea? The, the, well, I liked that. I thought the the, uh, the waxing the chest was great. Okay. Yeah. And so, But, see, she didn't tell me about the other stuff. And it was all a strategy to, because you've you ever had your hair waxed? No. It is so painful. You go into this state of shock. So you're so she knew that it would like put me into shock and hypnotize me. Where I'm like, oh my gosh! <laughs> so now she could move in and do all the other stuff that they never thought they'd be able to do if I wasn't shocked. Right. So it worked pretty good. I, was, I have to give my wife some credit there, but yeah. When I looked in the mirror, I was like, I just need to cut my freaking eyelashes off. This is terrible. I would so there you love go. to see that, Brady. I'm Diosa and I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts more Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. 
have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality starting May 8th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.